All right, today's podcast was brought to you by Port City Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, located at 8 Greenleaf Woods Drive in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Um, it's in, located inside the Seco Sports Club. Yes, you want to say something? In a racquetball court. Yeah, we took over a racquetball court. It's pretty awesome. Um, we have classes seven days a week. We have advanced classes, fundamentals classes, kids for, uh, classes for kids, um, along with being a member at Port City BJJ, you get full access to the Seaco Sports Club. Pools, sauna, weight room, cardio machines, uh, showers, locker room, all that good stuff. Uh, we have three black belts that teach there. Runs the gamut on different styles and things like that. I'm sure you can find something that you enjoy and works for you. Come check us out. You can find us on the internet at portcitybjj.com shoot us an email if you got any questions check out the schedule come on in and try it out also brought to you by Everproven CrossFit in Dover, New Hampshire we're located in the mill at 51 Washington Street Dover, New Hampshire uh, our phone number how to get a hold of us is 740 area code 603 740-0822 uh, we're also at evrprvn.com um also contact stone s-t-o-n-e at evrprvn.com uh we are a device diverse community made up of all ages and ability levels uh whether you are a noob or you're a seasoned athlete we've got everything for you all right so come on in come on in throw down get some technique you may not even uh know about so Come on in. All right. It's nothing but a positive, great, motivational uh, area. Or Come on, Mushmouth. I know. <laughs> uh, community with uh, tons of awesome people and uh, upcoming. From Ever Proven CrossFit, is, uh, if you want to check out our page, we've got a hybrid weightlifting meet coming up, uh, as well as we have a team of athletes going to Wadapalooza. Called Two Dudes and a Dude. <laughs> it's this weekend, uh, the 13th through the 21st of January 2016, unless in Miami, uh, Florida. In Miami, Florida, the- which uh, brings our first uh, brings our guest today, who's uh, T. Elliot Field on Two Dudes and a Dude. Uh, on he's he's on Two Dudes and a Dude, uh, not l- physically, but uh, well, he's on the team. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, without further ado. Podcast three. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the Sharp Iron Society podcast. Uh, you want to introduce our Scott uh, guest today, Scott? I, I will you know them. Scott. Oh, uh, <laughs> I am Scott. I am here. Hey, uh, girl. Hey. <laughs> that was T. Elliot Field. Uh, our guest for today, he uh, comes out of Ever Proven CrossFit. That's how I met him. That's how you met him. Um, and um, first and foremost, what does T stand for? Uh, it doesn't stand for anything, but if I have to make something up, it's usually tactical or Tyrannosaurus. 
Wait, 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 wait. Can't just gloss over this. Does the T really not stand for anything? Okay, so real talk, which when I say real talk, that's usually like the truth. Um, it doesn't stand for anything. My mom and dad fight about this. They were kind of hippies. So uh, they said that he needs a T in front of his name for an initial. So they went through the alphabet. And then they were like, well, A, Elliot, B, Elliot. <laughs> and got to T and was like, well, that works, I guess. So my mom says that my dad wanted the initial. And my dad said my mom wanted the initial. And my mom's like, you're crazy. And my dad's like, you're crazy. So... It doesn't stand for anything, and it, uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> that's all so, I have. You really, I mean, this, this mystery, like, really is, is like, surrounding this people thing that like, really doesn't even exist? Yeah, like, people, like, interrogate me and tell me, like, no, today you're going to tell me what it means, because I, like, want to know, like, the secret's out, like, are you embarrassed about it? Does it mean, like, something ridiculous? And I'm like, it just doesn't stand for anything, it's just... My name's T. Elliot. Like they tried to make me sound professional. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, pro- I'm like, professionals don't just have initials. They, like the initials stand for something. You know what I mean? Like, oh my god, that's so, awesome. <laughs> so <laughs> that's so when I become famous, it just makes more sense. I don't know which I like better, Tyrannosaurus or just T. It really depends on the uh, scenario. They also in the Navy sometimes they call me uh, Turbo. To kind of insult my intelligence a little bit <laughs> in training, yeah, they're like they just all right, way to go, Turbo. That kind of stuff. <laughs> so that also is a word that starts with the letter T. That's funny. awesome. That's so. Since we're going way back to the beginning, <laughs> from the beginning, <laughs> from the May thirty first, nineteen eighty eight, when 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 the T was dropped in front of the Elliot. <laughs> uh, what what was uh where where are you from? Uh, I was born in Miami, spent most of my life in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and then went on to the Navy and did that whole jumping around of like going to boot camp and then in Chicago and then went down to uh, San Diego for BUDS and then dropped out of that, went to Florida for rescue swimmer training and then went back to San Diego for more like air crewman training and then uh, did two deployments out of San Diego. And then now I moved to New Hampshire. Um, <clears throat> so Elliot is a CrossFit coach also at Ever Proven CrossFit. Um, probably one of the most fit individuals I've ever laid eyes on. <laughs> um, have you fit, al- fit as in like almost 0% body fat? Right. And, and rips through workouts like he's chewing breakfast um, on a Tuesday. And I go hard on Tuesdays for breakfast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Were you always an athletic kid? Have you you been an athlete your whole life? Um, Yeah. So I always, I was definitely always moving. I remember specifically times like my mom, we didn't have like a car growing up or anything. So we'd always walk places. And then she was a, she was in the junior Olympics for running for like track. So um, we would always like race and stuff as a little kid and, and stuff like that. So I was definitely active. I didn't start like lifting weights until I was like 17, 18, like uh, senior year of high school. Yeah, I, I found out the other day through uh, another coach, you ran track in high school. Yeah, ran track before that in like middle school. I played deck hockey, which is just uh, hockey just on your feet. You know what I mean? Like no skates or anything like that. I definitely wasn't coordinated enough to do the rollerblade thing. I played a little bit of indoor soccer when I was like, I don't know, 
seven or something like that. Just like real basic stuff. And then uh, basketball at ninth grade. Uh, went through the training. Like second game, I was like, this isn't for me. I just can't do <laughs> So you pretty, you pretty much were, uh, were experimenting with like lots of different, uh, yeah. different things. And track, just track was to, your thing? Yeah. Track was definitely the thing I liked. I enjoyed snowboarding. Wasn't very good at snowboarding, but I was good at sprinting, so that made me feel good. And I didn't like the feeling of like letting the team down. And track is more of like, yeah, like you're trying to win the meet and get overall points, but you're kind of just like running by yourself. So the pressure of that was kind of was nice to just it was just me running. Right. If I lost the race, it was individual. Me. Right. Yeah. Explains why um, every time I've gone up against you, you've kicked my ass. Yeah, I'm not severely. Gonna lose. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, what brought you, what was the decision to join the Navy? So, I was definitely like a uh, CD type student in high school. Definitely didn't really care about academics very much. I was just kind of like, what do I got to do to, you know, not get in trouble and just make it through? And then my friend was, at the time, was going into the Navy and he was telling me all about it. And I was like, well, this is pretty cool. And I have no idea what I'm going to do. So I started looking some stuff up. I looked up Navy diver and all this stuff. And I was like, well, that seems really cool. And at the time, I mean, I'm like 17 years old. I'm like, you just pretty much scuba dive as a job. Like how, <laughs> how awesome would that be? And you do cool training and you get guns. And so that'll be fun. And then I was like looking stuff up and I'm like, well, I mean, if I'm going to do this, why not just try the hardest thing that I could think of? So I was like looking through and I saw Navy SEALs and I was like, this is like the hardest thing I could think that I could ever do. And I was like, this is, this is what I want to try to do. So I started training for it and which just consisted of me putting a 25 pound plate in a backpack and riding my bike like three miles away to a track, running around the track twice and then like pedaling my bicycle back, doing bench press almost every day <laughs> and playing uh, video games and eating combos and checks mix. <laughs> <laughs> so that's I, the winning combination? That was the winning combination. <laughs> I, uh, I think there's something we talked about there about being a CD student and then deciding that you want to do the hardest thing possible being a Navy SEAL. Uh, I, that's a weird... I don't even know how to ask this question, but I don't find a lot of people that were CD students that really didn't have ambition just turning around deciding they're going to do the hardest thing possible i was a a, a bcd student and i was like there's no way i'm going to the goddamn military because that seems so hard so yeah. what was the what was the the mental switch from not really caring about school and things like that to deciding you're going to challenge yourself really hard well just because like i didn't i didn't think i was like stupid or anything i just didn't care about the stuff that they were trying to teach me right. in school. So it was just like the mode, like I was a very motivated individual. I just only wanted to do stuff that I wanted to do. And I was like, I know I felt like the physical aspect was something that came easy and I understood and it like, and it related to me and just the idea of going to college and just doing the same thing. And they're like, but you get more freedom. And it's like, I don't really care about just going. And, and at the time I didn't really care about drinking or anything. My friends were, we're drinking and everything, and I was like, I just don't really, I don't really care about like getting wasted or anything like that because that was like the cool thing to do. I was like, I honestly just want to try the hardest thing that I could possibly do. Like, I don't know what it was, but 
just mentally, I just wanted to challenge myself. And I was like, if I can get through this, then I could get through anything. I can, uh, <laughs> I can relate to being the uh, CD student. I guess I went the other way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I that... just kept on plotting along in my career. Right. But I mean, that, I mean, that's amazing to like, just go from, um, in, and that, that, I think that goes into like the, the mindset of like the, the, a high school teenager it is like high school teachers are, i mean they, they want to do what they want to do i mean that's the mindset of like every adolescent is like they want to do what they want to do um not necessarily what like they really should do oh i, I also I, think I, I can say from my personal point of view it's like i <sighs> never wanted to do any of the stuff that they were teaching me in high school well i also feel like um especially at such a young age for me anyway and i know a lot of people like this and i feel like this might be the the down fall of society almost or, or that that is you get so caught up on that momentum of just being you know below average or average you know what i mean like you like just rolling along rolling along and kind of getting get caught up in that stream whatever for you not to get caught up in the stream of being a cd student and break kind of break out of that momentum is really amazing to me because i know like my whole life is even now, I just kind of ride the momentum and just kind of get where I'm going, doing what I'm doing, you know. And events, sometimes I get lucky and there's some things that get thrown my way where I'm like, oh, I'm going to go down this path. And I've just made some all right choices to get there, you know what I mean? Like I see an opportunity, I'm like, all right, I probably should take this, you know. But to go from being a CD student or, a, you know, an average student and then not getting swept up in the momentum of just being average your whole life. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's crazy. I mean, there's a lot of my friends that were doing well or the same as me that are just, like, still in that town, not doing anything or worse. You know what I mean? It's just, like, they would always say, like, man, I can't wait to get out of here. And, like, I started adopting that same mentality of, like, wow, I don't, I really don't want to be here. But then I was, like, the only one to actually, like, get out and, like, not do it. So I don't know. As a kid, I, um, my mom was, like, she's a single parent so I was kind of independent it was just like me and my sister so that might have played into it where I would just come home from school and I just had to police myself all the time like no one really took care of me other than my sister or then when my mom would come home so maybe that has a little bit to do with it that I uh I just had a lot of time by myself and just took care of myself for a long time or my sister yeah Yeah, well still being like the 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 child of a single parent who's obviously working hard to provide and all that stuff but has to kind of sacrifice that time again not getting swept up in the momentum of you know i think that even that right there what you said that is a um that is a common crutch for a lot of people it's oh you know what was a, my mom yeah, was single like, parent. i didn't have a dad yeah. growing up i didn't know this right. Or that or that money. Of, right so for you to break out of that i mean that, that's amazing right there that's a, a success story on its own you know yeah. no matter what happened after that <laughs> Definitely. It was also kind of me being naive on what I actually thought SEAL training was going to be. And then I actually got there and kind of realized at Bud's what they were actually trying to do. And people would like kind of tell me, um, like from my mom's friends or coworkers, because she's like a dispatcher in an ambulance service. So she would be like, come back with things that they said and like advice. And she would tell me stuff like, just know that they're not actually trying to kill you. And I'm like, ah, very funny. Like <laughs> I know they're just going to like make me work out and I'm going to be uncomfortable and cold all the time. And like, it's whatever. And then like, you're in the shit in the training and you're just like, wait, they might actually be trying to kill me. right now." <laughs> <laughs> so you went to boot camp up in uh, great lakes, great yeah. lakes, Navy boot camp. 
And were you, so you, uh, every story I've heard about guys like going into buds, they go into boot camp and they're doing whatever they have to do to get through boot camp, but they're working out on top of that. Like by the time you got there, like what, what were you doing? Were you, were you still uh, carrying around 25 pound plates or what? In boot camp or before boot camp? Uh, in boot camp. Okay. So in boot camp, they have very little PT. Like physical training, um, you're just kind of running every once in a while because they're just trying to like get the average person just some volume in. But we would have to wake up around like four or five and go to like the special training. And we would just go to a pool. We'd have to like walk a mile across base or whatever and just go. And there was like SEAL instructors there or divers or other special op people. And they would just have us work out for like two hours, maybe one to two hours. And then we would just get back and then join the group, whatever. So whatever they did in the morning, we kind of missed out, which was usually just marching around in circles or standing at attention for 45 minutes while other people got yelled at. So um, that was pretty much, I mean, in, in that training, we would do just mostly body weight stuff, just like, and it was just like forever type stuff, like just do push-ups for until I say stop. And then you're like doing push-ups forever. And then you do like jumping jacks, like 300 jumping jacks. And then they're like, all right, now swim a 500. All right, now here's a brick, swim a 300. All right, now swim another 500. And it's just like, they just got a lot of volume in of that. There wasn't any uh, like weight training or barbells or anything like that. It was just all body weight movement. Every, everything that I've heard about training for buds is never, is never ever like weight related um a couple individuals i've talked to and they've always said like body weight body weight body weight and getting yourself down as small and light as possible um for for buds is i mean that that's pretty sounds like the mentality that that you were placed in is just keep on going keep on going yeah it doesn't it definitely didn't matter how fast or strong you were like i mean you obviously had to be above a little bit above average but there definitely wasn't anything special about being like the fastest kid or it it's actually worse if you were the fastest or the slowest it would be much better to be in the middle of the pack or a little bit above the middle of the pack but that's it like being the all-star it's not it's not a good place to be in that specific training in like seal training because then the day that you have a bad day they're like what's going on with you you thinking about quitting like all right let's do some shit and you're like, oh my God. <laughs> right um so were you much of a swimmer before you got into the Navy? No, not at all. So did you learn how to swim in the Navy, like like um, properly? The only reason I asked that is because Scott and I had an experience this summer where we went and <laughs> tried to learn how to swim properly. Drowning, <laughs> drowning experience? Or it was like beating the shit out of the water for 45 minutes. Like that's all we did. So it was Just control drowning. Right. It was breathing. it was really hard. So I'm wondering, like, what the learn the the swimming skill process in the navy especially if you're like going to a pool to train with navy like seal swimmers mm-hmm. that's i mean i feel like you're you're it's like a double handcuff like a you don't know how to swim and b you're with these guys that probably don't care to teach you how to swim they're just trying right to- so like i definitely knew how to swim and i there was like a public pool that i went to as a kid and all the time and um like during the summer and stuff but I was never on like a swim team. I never like developed like a freestyle stroke or what they mainly did was the side stroke and everything like that. So I kind of just had to learn that on the fly. And my recruiter was, he didn't know much about seals either or the side stroke. He gave me like a four page pamphlet on 
uh, what the side stroke was, which was like literally six pictures of <laughs> you going through the movement. And he's like, all right, so now we have this test where you have to do a 500 meter swim using that stroke. So I kind of just like practiced two or three times without him because I didn't really have access to a pool anymore. And I was joining like uh, closer to the winter and everything. And I just kind of just, you know, tried it. And, and I ended up passing with like 11 seconds. So I was just like, holy shit. And at the time, like you had to be able to do six pull-ups or something. I got eight pull-ups, eight strict pull-ups. And I like just barely passed the run and got like 50 push-ups or something like that. It like wasn't that good, but I mean, I still passed. And then I got in the Navy. We started doing the, all the volume and everything. And then I slowly started to get better. And then in buds is when they start going over the technique and how to really perfect it. And then that's kind of where I got the side stroke technique that I'm very comfortable with that I feel like I could just swim forever with that stroke. And then in rescue summer school is when they were just like, okay, now everything's freestyle. And then that's where I kind of just picked up what works and what doesn't work with freestyle. Um, so I guess the other thing that I have questions about is, um, so everyone I've ever talked to about going to buds, like, it's just like, oh, you do all this shit that sucks. You know, like they feel like they're trying to kill you, you know, like everything yeah. you just said or whatever. Um, are they teaching you skills as well too? Is like there a time where someone's like, all right, like, is it, is there almost a nurturing aspect of it at all? Yeah. Well, it's, it's, I think like what, what you're trying to say is like, is it just a, just a straight out beat down, which everybody kind of like thinks right. that happens at buds or is there actually like, so in when you're in it you feel like there's no nurturing when you look back on it you're like okay well they were definitely helping us and they gave us like some profound information and they talked to us they would sit us down and everything but their job at that time was to weed out all the people that were going to quit so they didn't want to waste any time on teaching you really anything um other than how not to hurt yourself um before they, you know, figured out who was there for real and who was there just to say that they're in SEAL training. You know what I mean? So it was literally, it, most of it was just a beatdown and they were just, they're like professional people at trying to make you quit every single day. So that's just, and I mean, that's why like there was like eight people out of 250 that classed up that graduated with that original class. Because that's all that, I mean, it's like a, literally a year of every day, like six different people are trying to make you quit. Right. Wow. Not until you get to like third phase where they start like you start messing with guns and or even in second phase, um, you start working with like pools and stuff. But you have to get through like hell week and, and first phase and everything. And hell week and first phase is literally just run, carry this boat, carry this log, lunge, lunge, lunge. Three hours later, go hit the surf, go eat, get back here in 30 minutes so we can do it in another three hours. And you're just like. I hope he's joking. <laughs> and they're they're never joking. <laughs> so uh I guess what brings us up to um so you 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 went into buds, um you you got the beat down. Um what um uh, what happened uh during buds? What made me quit? So yeah. when I yeah <laughs> short says a word. No 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 it's good. not I'm, to be a dick. No no no, I'm I'm completely <laughs> fine with it. So the like two in a half years after I quit, I was like, oh, it just crushed me inside. Like anytime anyone would be like, I would do something good and I would just think to myself, oh, but I quit buds. Like that's, it was just eating me alive. But now I look back on it and I'm just like, I'm, I've made peace with it and everything. So 
I'm like totally comfortable with talking about it. But um, so what happened was the first class that I classed up with, um, I started to get hypothermia because I don't have much body fat on me. So being cold and wet all the time. So this whole no body fat thing has been it a does, long time. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. Uh, this isn't just specifically CrossFit, but yeah, I mean, I'm a little bit, but regardless. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, so I kept getting hypothermia, and then when you get hypothermia, you're just more susceptible to being sick and everything. So I got pretty bad pneumonia. I couldn't talk. I could only like whisper. It was just like my shit was just clogged up. And then they have this like swimmer induced like pulmonary anema. So like I'm swimming and like my lungs were like bleeding or whatever. So I it's just really hard to swim with blood in your lungs, apparently. <laughs> so they rolled me back. About? So I got so the best part was like they they rolled me back at class. So I got like three days off and then I'm back to training because um, it was like that Friday where they took me into medical and was like, you know, you're jacked up like you can't even talk right now. Like, obviously. You need to, and weeks prior to that, like I couldn't sleep at night because I was just, I couldn't breathe. Like if I lay down, I could feel the fluid moving around. So I got rolled back. That kind of got cleared up. And then I was going again. I didn't really know much about nutrition. So I was eating like a bird. Like I'd have like a waffle and syrup and orange juice in the morning. And like, cause I didn't want to eat that much because we we're about to run like right after and do all this shit. So I was like, I don't want a bunch of food in my stomach and throw up and everything. So I kept it light, which was a bad idea, and then I ended up hyperextending my Achilles tendon, and it got like pretty bad tendonitis, like it was like creaking, like I could just move my heel and foot, and it, you could just hear it like, rrr, rrr. so I started failing things, like failing runs that I normally wouldn't fail, and every time you fail, you have to do a bunch of other shit. They have like the people that didn't fail group, and the people that did fail group, and you're just doing push-ups and running, and backwards bear crawls up a berm, and just a lot of miserable shit so like I was like man I shouldn't be here right now and it's a really mental so you start uh losing things and not being able to complete tasks that you thought that you could and then you're cold and wet and then it's just like a downward spiral of just you know depression or whatever and then eventually you're just like and you're slowing your boat crew down so like and I hated that aspect like I said before of like letting the team down so I couldn't keep up on things so it just it just made me it just made me want to quit and then one day i was just like i can't do this anymore i don't want to like slow down the team and i don't think i'm going to be able to complete this if it's so early in training like it's like 3 weeks into first phase and i'm already like having a lot of trouble and i mean everybody at that point like looking back everybody was fucked up at that point but it got to me mentally i mean i was like 18 years old and had no like real serious formal training but that's pretty much how i quit and why just getting hurt, not being able to pass things, stuff like that. I mean, as, as a side note, like, what do you, <clears throat> so, um, your years later, do you think if you went back to Bud's now, how do you think you would perform as opposed to your 18 year old self? Um, I think if I went back like two or three years ago, I think I would have done, I would do a lot better. I think right now, I don't know if my body being like 27, 28, you just, I mean, it's like a, you just try to stay healthy as long as you can. And I feel like with that kind of volume and what you do, like shit's just going to flare up like yeah. really quickly. That's why kind of like 27 is the cutoff. Cause like there's a lot of really fit, you know, 30 and 40 year olds, but you just get beat up. Like you're just like, there's just a lot of 
lot, a lot, a lot of volume. So, I mean, I, I still think, I mean, I would like to say that, you know, I'd be able to get further and everything, but you really don't know until you're back in it. And it's like every single day. It's not like one specific thing that gets you. It's doing all of that shit every single day for a week. And you're just like, what the fuck just happened? Has it really only been five days? I've been here for like two years. Like that kind of shit. Right. Wow. It's interesting you say um, like 27 is the cutoff. That that's yeah. like, because like so, so many people, I feel like like 30 is the new 20, you know, and like they say like 40 is the new 30 or whatever. But in all actuality, like you're, you're, you're almost coming out of your prime in your late 20s. Um, yeah. Do you feel like um, you said that, I mean, you were very honest in saying that it would have been two or three years ago you've been doing better. Do you feel like at this point in your life, and I mean, you can talk about this as from a coaching aspect too. Um, do you feel like you noticed a big difference in your body at a certain age? And do you notice the the change in, in your the athletes that you coach at a certain age? You know what I mean? Like, like how much it has on your effect as a body when you're 18 as opposed to now when I'm 27? Like yeah, or even like, do you like, so for me, just to give an example, like I've been doing like serious, like I, I keep bringing back jujitsu, but I started doing jujitsu when I was 22. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that like when I, like literally when I turned 25, I was like, oh man, like I got to warm up before I get on the mat. You know, that I, just I like started having to me. Yeah. The stuff that like, I used to be able to eat before training. I'm like, oh, I can't do that. And it seems like every year, like the window that I have to eat before getting a good hard workout in gets bigger and bigger. Like it's almost like two hours now. If I eat within two hours of working out real hard, like I'm like, oh, like it, it really affects my performance, whether I feel like I'm going to throw up or I feel just slow and laggy and, you know, whatever. Um, do you notice that now with yourself? And can you kind of spot those things happening with the athletes that you coach in CrossFit? Yeah, absolutely. So when I was 18 to probably 23, it was like warm-ups aren't necessary. They're just a waste of time. Like right. I remember, and again, back to the bench press days, if I was going for like a one rep max bench press attempt, I would do like anywhere from eight to 10 push-ups and then load up the max weight at the time that was like uh, 225 or like 185 or whatever it was. And I would just go for it right there. Like there was no like warm up sets, a couple sets of five, like <laughs> mobility, smash in my chest or whatever. It was just like, well, the mentality was, well, I don't want to waste energy lifting the barbell. So <laughs> right. I have all my energy right now. Like let's use it on this one rep max. And I mean, I did that for years. And same thing goes in buds and everything like that. There was like, we would do stretching, but it was literally like forearm stretch, like hinge at the waist or whatever and i was like you're just kind of doing it just waiting for the instructors to show up but i didn't feel like i needed it like i could just get off of the couch and just start running and then now now that i I hit like 24 25 it's like oh okay maybe i need to like just get it just feels like i need to just like get the old bones moving like shit just needs to like warm like it's crazy it doesn't feel like there's like fluid in places where it sh- there should be and right. it's like well i gotta go jog around so with the athletes that i'm coaching you can tell the young kids are like why are we i just get the look of like when i teach like the the rowing like the kids and the teenagers and everything they're always just like 
doing stretches and just kind of looking at me like, why are we doing this? And then I'm like, when you get older, you'll realize. And then the older adults, like we're doing mobility and you could tell like they're all in like, right. oh, what do I got to do? How do I do this warm up better? Right. And then, you know what I mean? Like, right. can we can we do another warm up again? <laughs> Stuff like that. So and I mean, I feel like the more I do CrossFit, the more I feel the longer my warm up warm ups have been like they're almost up to like ideally like an hour now it's like ridiculous i'm like if i could just have an hour to warm up i could finally like hit a really hard workout i'm one of them for sure like i'm like oh this mobility needs to be about 40 minutes longer it's just than so it much more painful if <laughs> yeah. you don't like i'll do like a squat clean with a barbell and just be like oh my god okay here we go All right yeah that's funny that's like that was one of those things where i was like shocked well another thing that's shocking about that is like um I know a bunch of people in my life that have never done any mobility their whole life, you know? And like, I think that's one of the most beneficial things that has come to me for about CrossFit. You know what I mean? It's like, I will get up in the morning and be like, oh God, I'm so stiff. Let's grab this lacrosse ball and like roll my legs out or put it behind my back on my drive to work and things like that. And then I look at my dad who's 54 years old, been working a manual labor job his whole life never done any mobility i'm like oh yeah. my god you'd be you're like that's something that i think a lot of people should even if they're not going to do crossfit should really look into is the mobility aspect of it watch a kelly Sturrett video and not only yeah, exactly not only like, the mobility the aspect but the just the movement pattern aspect like before i started crossfit there was no squat instruction at all like at buds anything like we were doing dumbbell thrusters we were doing all kinds of stuff at buds buds was like really crossfit like too like what what we were doing, they were doing like toes to bar and stuff in buds with pants and boots. So there was like all kinds of shit that they were doing, but there was no like, you know, keep your knees out or chest up or anything like that. It was like, just go down and, and go up. So then when I started doing CrossFit and started being in better positions, it was just like, holy shit. Like some of the stuff that I just did naturally, like <laughs> bench press again, uh, I would always like kind of tuck my elbows and everything to just like make it, make it a little bit easier. But, um, I think that's huge. If you can just like take a couple classes and learn just how to move your body correctly and be in the right position, not only will it save you, you know, from injury, but it'll be easier to like just protect yourself. You know what I mean? Just yeah. being tight. That, I mean, that, that, that goes into like <clears throat> what's amazing about what, what's, I mean, I think people don't stop and realize what's happening right now in, in, in like the physical culture world is that they're so many things out there that are people talking about moving correctly and I mean, for years it was just like, it, 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 like to get fit, you would have to do like I mean, bodybuilding type exercises, and and <clears throat> your your stretching was all static stretching. I mean, I remember when I was in high school, a long long time ago, uh, everything was static stretching. We'd like do a small, very short warm up and do all static stretching. Now it's like it. I don't know what it's like in high school now, but like I would just there was no such thing as joint mobility. When right, I was yeah. In high school, and it's it's almost like the 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 physical world is like waking up to like this giant gift that's that's like moving correctly, 
and 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 moving moving efficiently, moving correctly, and moving and moving with your joints not being in pain. And it's it. I think it's right. me personally. I think it's amazing that this stuff is like coming out, and the, you have the gift of the internet that's bringing you right to your uh, little electronic device at any given time during the day. Well, I think the other thing, like I can remember being in high school and like stretching, like either in like phys ed or even on sports teams, and they were like. Don't bounce in your stretch. Yeah. Like, like stay as still as possible. And just pull on it. Yeah. Right. And now, now it's always like get into that position and then move around from there. I'm yeah. like, like that was a, that. I can honestly, that was one of those things that was kind of like a wait, what moment? Like when I first started in CrossFit, because it was like, oh yeah, stretch here, and then they're like move around. I'm like, I don't think you're supposed to be doing this. <laughs> you know what I mean? To kill me. Right. But but it's it makes a huge difference. You know, just kind of moving those joints around at you know full flexion or full extension you know um I, 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 like even i i can say for my uh one of my co-workers is the army and i see him i see him out there before he goes for like a, a three mile run um and he i see him just doing static stretching and and i mean like he's like one two three. it's so ingrained in his head like it's just like that's the way to like get your body moving get your body prepared for like a three mile run it's just sit there and do a bunch of static stretching movements as opposed to like actually like like hey let's warm up those joints a little bit so it doesn't hurt every single time you put your heel on the ground right also running incorrectly or they'll that's they'll a do subject. a bunch of static stretching and then they'll do the dynamic stuff and then go for a run and then like yeah that's how it works really well it's like well skip the static stretching just do the dynamic and then see how you feel right. you know what i mean and then they just they do that and they're like holy shit yeah this is i feel the same because the static stretching just you just pull on tight muscles and then that's it yeah it's it's crazy how uh, how far thing or or I mean it's one, uh, oh it's also one of those things too it's like a lot of the it's just becoming full circle you know like the kettlebell thing is coming back around you know like I feel like there you look at like old Russian videos of people doing kettlebell swings back in like you know the turn of the century and now kettlebells are the rage again you know and um, <clears throat> even like the deadlift like for a long, long time I was like oh the deadlift is such a you know useless exercise it just hurts your back you're, you're picking <laughs> yeah, stuff up now it's like you, you deadlift properly and you deadlift you know the, in the right cycles and all that stuff like that can improve everything from your running to you know your posture and you know i feel like i i mean like we talked about this before i haven't before i started doing crossfit a year ago i lifted a weight in nine years and i feel like i was getting hurt all the time and now that i've put a little insulation on my body it's almost like armor i like i was the best i've felt in a long time it's crazy i I can agree with that wholeheartedly i mean i did i did i think at the point that i started uh doing crossfit i think i had six seven years of uh landscape construction it was i mean that's hard labor it's uh, wheelbarrows and, and like i was definitely a blunt force object when it came to uh came to doing everything so just constantly being hurt and my back was always sore and I'd, I'd throw my back out at least like once a year started doing crossfit like i haven't i haven't had that any of those injuries that i had during when i was like landscaping uh since then right. i mean like i used to be able to jump in and out of trucks no problem and then it started becoming like uh yeah i gotta like awkwardly hoist myself <laughs> and, like hook one leg up on one of the truck and try to like 
like wrangle, wrangle myself into the back of the truck and and then like and kind of like sit on the side to get down and then i started doing crossfit and all of a sudden it was like i was jumping right back up into the truck and i was jumping off the truck again right. um, well the terrible thing about that is like i bet people around there that didn't know was like oh yeah that's the job i mean you just got to deal with it or you know get some pills to to stop that pain like there was never the idea of like maybe what you were doing was wrong it was always like well that's what happens when you carry all this weight all the time or use your body it, it just deteriorates you get old and right. oh you're like 22 now so you know you're on the way down and it's like wait no that yeah, is, no, that is right. not what it's supposed to be it's all yeah. part of the ge- degenerative <laughs> how about we, we do some preventative maintenance here <laughs> yeah exactly well one of the, one of the reasons I, I personally started doing crossfit is 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 uh not only did i have like this this opportunity to get in in with these people uh and do some weird ass shit in their garage um, doing burpees on uh, crushed stone is is really really interesting, um, <laughs> but uh, my I remember my my boss at the time had started CrossFit before me, and his his, his he said it perfectly where he said like you know at at, at thirty nine forty I was crossing things off that list that I wanted to do in life. And he started doing CrossFit, and he's like, all of a sudden, he's like, I'm taking those lines away, and I'm starting to do more now right. than I ever thought I did. Like, so I mean, it's it's almost like this like fountain of youth factor um, getting into this stuff. But I guess they would be a great question for both of you guys. Is it so much that the is it the is it the 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 weights and 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 making your body uh, uh, like adapt a little bit more to, to stress or do you think it's more of like the mobility aspect that's like that would have a uh a, a effect on on older people um like myself <laughs> of of getting a little bit of their lives back what what's your opinion on that i think for older people you just focus on and i mean older people i guess over the age of 50 if you're like i want to get into this CrossFit thing, but obviously don't want to get hurt. You just focus on recovery and the mobility aspect of it. Like nail that shit before you start thinking about, I think, PRing anything or lifting really anything heavy. Like master the PVC pipe and it seems like, but I don't have time to do that. Like I know my dad is, you know, he's almost 70 or whatever. And I showed him some things and some stretches and some movements. And he's just seen a huge change. Like he thought like, oh, my wrist doesn't really go back anymore. Like I'm getting old from all the years of like driving the bus and all this stuff. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like all you have to do is like smash this with the lacrosse ball and do this stretch before you go to bed. And here's like, this is what you do on a foam roller. And he's just like, I feel like 10 years younger. Like I've never felt like this before. It's like crazy. And like, I just showed him like how to squat and everything. And like, you know, like keep your knees out and all that stuff. And he was just like, wow, like this is so much better. Like he's a pretty active guy and he didn't have like bad movement patterns. And I think that's why he's still able to do the things that he's doing. But it's just like those little things. He's like, oh, I just do like a couple sit-ups and some push-ups the way that you showed me. And it's just keeping me awake and sharp so much more than what I was before five, 10 years ago. That's awesome. Yeah. I feel like the biggest thing for me, um, and it's like this with anything else too, but um if you're gonna, if you're kind of a late adopter to, especially CrossFit, but pretty much any athletic endeavor, um, find the most knowledgeable people you can. Like that's the number one thing because there's good and bad and everything. I think that's one of the reasons that um, CrossFit has, in some sense, gotten a bad rap is because it's 
it's accessible to a lot of people to become CrossFit instructors. You know what I mean? Like it almost, I almost feel like it almost should be a little harder because then you'd be required to be a really good coach. You know, um, that's the one thing I feel like I've fortunate have stumbled upon ever proven is because pretty much everyone there, I mean, everyone there in their own way, you know, some might be better at teaching some things than others. And there's a, such a good gamut of coaches there, but you need to find people who legitimately care and are knowledgeable about this stuff. You know, like yeah. um, that we talked about this on the first podcast about, you know, kind of what is the keys to success. And I think that that is definitely technique is one of them. Technique is the, the, the main one in CrossFit, you know, get your technique right. Everything from your technique on warming up and, you know, how you go about your warm up, you know, that's the one thing that, Everyone always says when we're warming up is it's a warm up. Treat it like one. Don't you don't have to PR the warm up. You know, you know. And Elliot's really good at like. Um, that's one thing I like about when he coaches is saying like he kind of paces you through the warm up as you're warming up. You know, take it slow at first, then kind of build up in the middle, and then kind of taper off at the end. And I feel like that's a nuance that a lot of people probably don't do. They, like Elliot paces the warm up for you really well, and I think that makes a huge difference for me if I look at it that way. You know, I can get lost in my own head and be like, "All right, I'm just gradually building, gradually building." By the end of the warm up, I'm like, "I need to warm up to warm up." This is yeah, yeah, crazy, exactly. <laughs> you know. And then also the technique of, you know, mobilizing and things like that. I mean, there's not just technique on lifting weight. There's technique for everything, and if you, you know, really pay attention to that, that's how you you know, get as far as you can, as quickly as you can. Yeah, I mean, you can beat a lot of, not that CrossFit's always a competition, but you can beat people on just skills and technique alone. Like, you could have a terrible engine and not be that strong, but if you're proficient with the barbell or you can just stay in a good position longer and have the mobility, you can just just crush through a lot of movements and lift a lot of weight just being being in the right position. And then you could be really strong and have a great engine and be in the bad position and just eating up all of your energy. It's kind of like wrestling Derek, not knowing <laughs> how to do jujitsu. And so I'm, I'm really strong and uh, I can like, you know, I have a, a decent engine or whatever and good, somewhat good techniques in CrossFit or whatever. But then when I wrestle him, I literally just feel like I'm just wrestling a big log that's just strangling me the whole time. And I just, <laughs> like, it just doesn't work. Like there's, because not only, I mean, he's been doing this forever, but like you just, there's just so much technique there that I just can't, can't even deal with. <laughs> I, we, uh, Elliot, um, and I went to a, uh, uh, basically a camp. Um, <clears throat> and he, they, they even said that like, like, the days of the old CrossFit games where it was, I mean, strength, go hard, and, 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 and the person that could go the hardest, the longest, would pretty much win the CrossFit games. It's become, it's become exactly what you said, where it's like, it, it's, it's not about being like a, like a brute, like uh, just this, this brutishly strong person that can just like go hard, go hard, go hard. Right, who it's, can endure the most suck? Who's got <laughs> that technique now? Right. I mean, yeah, you still got to be strong, but you also have to have a lot of technique. And I mean, that's that's how like I, I see CrossFit has definitely evolved. It's become this very like technical, um, technical sport, um, which is awesome. Yeah, um, 
that's something I'm interested in too. Um, so as CrossFit has become more popular, um, and you see, I feel like, so you have guys like Matt Fraser who are Olympic lifters before they started CrossFit. And then you have people like Noah Olson who were gymnasts before they started CrossFit. And then, you know, all these people who had different backgrounds and then picked up CrossFit as, um, you know, that, that phase of their life was over. So then they started a new one. Um, it's kind of like in mixed martial arts right now. Um, there, it, for a long time it was, um, you know, you need to have a background or something. You're like, you're either a really good kickboxer and then you're like, oh, that kickboxing phase of my life is over. I'm going to do MMA. Or I'm a jiu-jitsu black belt of one world championship. Now I'm going to do MMA. Or I was a collegiate wrestler, finished my wrestling career in college, and now I'm going to try MMA. So it was like you had this base and then you built all these skills on top of it. But now there's this new generation that they've only been doing MMA since they were like, you know, 10 or 11 or whatever and they've come up you know that past 10 20 years or whatever however long they've been doing just strictly mma with not a base do you find that now there are people coming into crossfit who are strictly just crossfitters they didn't have that um, background and things like that and do you see those guys like doing really well because they're almost um like they're they're specialists in generalization we just started getting that, and you'll see that at like the the teens and the games and everything. And I mean, the teens have only been doing it for maybe like two or three years or whatever, which is relatively short. But I think in the next like five or ten years, if it continues the way it is, there's going to be people that have been like, "Oh, I've been doing CrossFit since CrossFit Kids since I was five, and they're just going to do freak show stuff. Like I mean, there's like sixteen, seventeen, eighteen year olds that are just like demolishing any type of score that I would put up. And it's just like, not only have they only been doing it for like a year, but they're just, their engines, like being a kid, something about that, like your body's just unstoppable. And so we're definitely getting, we're just starting to get that now. It's not like, oh, this guy's like 25 years old. He's been doing it just because it hasn't been around long enough for that. But we're just starting to see young kids like adopt it early. And you're just like, holy shit, they can move. You know what I mean? It's just like so much faster. Well, I think the other interesting thing about that whole conversation to have too is um like i talked about this with some of the people at the the crossfit gym i don't know if you guys have ever watched that show hard knocks on each on hbo yeah like the football yeah did you see this season with the texans yeah when jj watt flips that thousand pound tire like 64 times in one day (laughs) and then he's like tomorrow i'm gonna try to get 65 (laughs) right right so but like he's obviously a super athlete you know what i mean um do you see those kids like like do you think that CrossFit will ever have and and you and same thing we can have that conversation about mixed martial arts too because I feel like they're general like like it's almost like I could see um, the future of CrossFit in mixed martial arts you know what I mean because they're like almost like what so what year did the games start happening like uh, does anybody know when the first games were 2010 something like that I thought it was it might be 2010 or 2009 I'm not. Absolutely sure. So NMA started in 1993. So they're almost like 10 years apart. You know what I mean? So you can almost see the same progression in the two. Like they're they're relatively new um, activities that have kind of caught on quick. You know, like I feel like mixed martial arts as a nationwide sport grew really fast. And now CrossFit as a sport is growing really fast. So you can kind of see the same progression patterns. And you're just now, you know, uh, however many years later, starting to see super athletes 
2007. Was so even closer. They're even closer to 10 years apart. Um, you're just now starting to see super athletes get into MMA, like John Jones. I mean, yeah. both his brothers are playing the NFL. He's a family of super athletes. You know, he, he's the type of guy that can watch something on YouTube once and then go beat the best guy in the world with this technique he's on YouTube, <laughs> yeah. you know? So I'm wondering, do you think um, the whole adjunct of super athletes at a young age into CrossFit, do you see that happening? Do you, th- do you think that CrossFit can entice those people who are super athletes to start doing CrossFit instead of, like, saying going to the NFL or the NBA or any of those other, you know, high-paying professional sports? Uh, as of right now, I don't, I don't think so because there is a lot of really, really good, hardworking games athletes that are not making very much money at all. And it, it really does boil down to money. Like if I'm this super freak athlete, even if I love CrossFit, if I could just like play basketball for, you know, a couple of years and make millions of dollars, or I could go against a very tight, you know, community of people and maybe win $250,000 that there's a very unlikely choice it's like what i mean they would i could see them super freak athletes just doing crossfit as supplemental but then one until money really starts running in and we're seeing more sponsored athletes and everything like that i mean there's just no point in working that hard for no money yeah. other than recreation and having fun right the sponsorship i think you said it best is like the sponsorship just isn't quite there yet i think it was uh stacy tovar that said like if you want to become a games athlete, you have to quit your job and work as much as possible to like get sponsorships. Right. And all you do is just work out all day and, and, and tag those sponsors. And Like Ben Smith lived, I'm pretty sure he lived with his parents until now, now that he won. He has a, I'm pretty sure he's getting his own house now or whatever. <laughs> right. He was like living in his parents' house just because it's like you can't train that hard and not have a job and like have a house and whatever unless right. like somebody gave you money. You just can't, you just can't do it. I'm relatively new to CrossFit. Like, uh, I've only been doing CrossFit for it's coming up on a year now, and then, um, but I've been aware of CrossFit probably a year or two before that, but not like watching, like you know, fucking uh, Rich Froning was like the guy I knew. Like, oh yeah, he's yeah. like the best guy in the world. Or, like, it's amazing. Just like Ben Smith has been to the CrossFit Games like twelve fucking times. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's, it's crazy to see that. Yeah. Like, it's it's nuts, you know, like. To, to stay in it like that's one of those mental and i feel like that's the endurance aspect of it it's not the whole like you know how long can you work out but how how many times can you lose before you like fuck this i'm not doing this anymore yeah. you know that guy stuck in it for the long haul yeah and i mean that's just i think he just loves he also loves it you know what i mean right. that's that's something where he's not just gifted he also loves the sport so i think that's the only way he's He's keeping it in. I'm sure if he didn't love it and he was gifted and he would lose that many times, you'd just be like, I'm on to the next. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. That, that, I mean, that, that's an uh, entirely different aspect in itself. Is it like right now we're just seeing people that like they do this because they, they're, they're not doing it for the money. They're doing right. it because they really love this sport. Yeah. I mean, I, I know I can say for, for myself, it's just like it, I do this because I, I absolutely love doing this, coming to the gym, the community, everything, every single day. Uh, I think that's why we all do it still. Right. Um, that and just the, the side health benefits. and Like you hear this question, it's like, if you woke up and no one on earth was there except for you, like what would you do? And I would probably go to the gym and just work out. 
I would probably go to the Porsche dealership first and steal the Porsche. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, drive my Lamborghini to whatever CrossFit gym or whatever and lift some weights or whatever. You know what I mean? I'm sure it would get old and right, or whatever, but it's yeah. pretty fun. So uh, come full circle, um, like now we've segued into CrossFit, BJJ, and all that stuff. Like you, after um, after you left uh, Buds, you went into rescue swimmer school, is that correct? Yeah, it was like air crewman rescue swimmer school. We just kind of called it being a rescue swimmer, but like officially it was a, like a helicopter air crewman. Okay. What I mean, what what exactly does that entail? Like, so uh, the whole pipeline with that is you go to Pensacola and you do some like very basic uh, air crewman school. So it's like that's a fixed wing plane, that's a helicopter, those are tires. Great, you qualified. Okay, so now you're <laughs> gonna try the rescue swimmer aspect. And coming out of buds in that ridiculous training. I was like almost had like some cockiness to me. Like, well, I made it three weeks into first phase, which isn't very far at all. But you just have this mentality of like, these guys have nothing on me. And uh, so we started that training. And for me, mentally, it was pretty easy from like the shit that I that I went through. So I kind of had that attitude or whatever. So that is basically, again, more body weight movement, running. And then you get used to swimming with gear on and everything. And at that point, we had been swimming like one and two mile ocean swims with gear, like mask, fin, and everything like that. The only difference was a snorkel. So you just got to keep your face in the water. So it's a little bit easier. Um, but there was just that training. And it was just like sprinting back and forth in a pool for a couple hours or whatever. And then getting out and doing some drills and, and stuff like that. So that training was definitely intense. And there was like a... Uh, 40 to 50 percent attrition rate but um just mentally the mental aspect was just it, for me it was just seemed really easy even though it wasn't just having that background it was like almost like what i mean what is this like yeah i'll, I'll do this forever like you can drown me or whatever because i've already been drowned right. like you know what i mean like <laughs> like let's go like you guys can't breathe water <laughs> so um you're talking about um swimming with equipment on what does like i feel like what what does the equipment entail besides a mask and and so you have things? most of the time you have like a shorty wetsuit on and then um like booties uh fins you have a mask snorkel and then a lot of times you'll have a um you have like a harness on which is just filled with pockets it has like chem lights a radio and stuff like that just to like stuff that you can communicate with the helicopter when you're actually out outside the helicopter in the water or whatever real world real world stuff so um you, you would just swim like 500s in that and the difference between that is like it's like i guess the difference between riding a bicycle and riding the assault bike where riding a bicycle or like swimming without equipment on you're about you just kind of glide and everything like riding a bicycle but then the assault bike it's kind of like the moment that you stop pedaling everything stops right. so you just have to be really work on being a powerful swimmer and a lot of the training was not necessarily again being the fastest um it was just being really powerful and really comfortable in the water and having a a constant mindset of being very calm all the time it's like you get to the point where, oh, I'm underwater and I can't breathe and this guy's holding on to me and we're sinking to the bottom. Okay, relax. You know what I mean? And just drilling that into our heads and relaxing in every uncomfortable situation possible. The relaxation 
aspect of it is interesting to me. Um, just because I feel like, um, even now, like working out hard, like, I feel like you can get into that panic state really easy where you take those short choppy breaths and you're trying to like, like catch your breath, but you're really doing yourself more harm than good, you know? Um, what do they do to train you to relax? Is it just like, usually if you can't figure it out, you just wash out and can't kind of, I mean, I feel like that was one of the biggest takeaways that I got like from the Navy and, and buds and the rescue swimmer thing is just like staying calm and just looking like big picture stuff when all kinds of crazy shit is happening. Like you need to be calm when someone is, is pointing a gun at you or a rocket or whatever it is. Like you just have to just be like, not necessarily okay with it, but there's only certain things that you can do and should do. And panicking or yelling it doesn't help, or like breathing fast or th- flailing your arms, you know what I mean? Which is usually the first thing that you want to do right. is be like, holy shit, or like move or duck or jump. And it's like, no, like you just need to stay calm and, and do what you were trained. So, and it's just like you get, they just conditioned you for it. I mean, they start slow. And uh, one of the biggest like things for me was when we had to do the 50 meter underwater swim. And this was like kind of a big moment for me of when every time that we practiced before that, I could only make it, you had to go down and back underwater and you jump in, do a front flip underwater, then start swimming. Then you can push off the wall on the way back. Anytime that we trained for it, we got like five or six times to practice like throughout a couple of weeks. I would only make it halfway across on the first trot, like the first way down. So I was making it like what, like 20 meters or something like that. And so I was just like, holy shit, like, how am I going to do this? And then they kind of, this is when they do a little bit of nurturing or whatever. They brought the whole class like, hey, guys, like, listen, you just need to be okay with drowning. (laughs) And you're just like, what the fuck is this guy saying? (laughs) He's going to try to make me drown. And he's like, just, there's going to be a little thing in your head that's like, you need to come up. You need to come up and just ignore that and just keep swimming and, and see what happens and just don't listen to him. And then he's like, you're not going to die. It's going to, your everything in your body is going to tell you you're going to die. So then that day that it was like, all right, it's now or never. I was just like, oh, let's try this. Let's try this out of just like really just doing it. And I did it and I came up and it was just like, holy shit. And I made it the whole way. First try, just like, and it was like almost easy. Cause it was just like, I just touched the wall underwater and I'm just like, I didn't even go to swim to the top at that point. I was probably like, you know, I was tunnel vision and I was about to pass out. So at that point you're kind of euphoric. But I was just sitting there like, oh, I made it, and I'm just chilling underwater. And then I felt like the instructor like grab under my arms and like lift me up out of the water or whatever. But it was just a huge moment of like just doing something that I didn't want to do and everything in my body told me not to do. And then you're just constantly getting trained of doing things that you don't want to do, just getting over that threshold where it gets to the point where the threshold gets so little that seemingly really challenging tasks that you would think that people are like, how did you do that? Or how are you not nervous right now about like going skydiving. It's like, I'm just so used to like, like the first time I jumped out of a helicopter, it was not, I was not nervous at all. Like, it was just like, like, let's do this. I wasn't necessarily like excited, but it was just kind of just like, okay, like let's jump out of a helicopter. (laughs) In a sense, they just made you step out of your comfort zone so many times. Every day. It was just like, it got to, like I said, a point the threshold was just so low that it was just like, okay, like, what do you want me to do? You want me to try to breathe water? Okay, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Hold my breath until I pass out. How many times? Oh, just once. Okay. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Like right. that was, and it was serious. That was the mentality of just like, you want me to run for the next three hours? Like we, in buds, we would do this um, like log PT and you would like hold the log in like a front carry. And they're like, we're going to lunge for the next three hours. And then that's one of the times where you're like, <laughs> okay, he's just joking, but we'll probably lunge for like an hour and then he'll make, and then two hours and 45 minutes later, you're still lunging and you're like, is this, is this real right now? Like, right. And then you end up stopping, and you're like, ah, it was only two hours and 50 minutes he lied. I got him. I got him. <laughs> so after, after you, you got through that training, you uh, went back to San Diego. Went back to San Diego. That was more of, so then at that point, the rescue swimmer aspect was out of it. The physical aspect went, was done, and we're kind of left to our own devices if we wanted to continue being fit or not. Like they told us, like, you need to maintain. But like a lot of people could have just slacked off and, and not done anything. But at that point, I was pretty hooked on uh, fitness. And then uh, then the mental aspect. So with the Romeo platform, there was like a sonar, radar, like all these different um, systems on the helicopter that we had to learn about. And we had to like go into really pretty deep detail, which in my opinion, it was a little bit unnecessary on some of the, the shit that we had to remember and memorize. But I mean, it definitely helped, but like actually operating the system wasn't too bad, but like, no, cause when you're up there and it's only just you three, like two pilots and then you in the back. So if anything goes wrong, if something catches on fire, if the system crashes, like it's up to you to fix it. So there's no like, like, yeah, you can call back to base and be like, Hey, what should we do? But I mean, you're literally like breaking down like a soundproof wall and just looking at all these wires and you're just like, uh, so if you've never like, if you don't really know that stuff, but, um, so it was just, it was really mental at, the, at that point. And then that's when I like really started to get nervous because I was like, well, I'm like a CD student. I don't really use my brain all this time. <laughs> I've just been like not quitting. And now it's like, well, now I need to apply myself. So then, but the aspect of me doing things that I didn't want to do or I wasn't comfortable doing. That was another one of those things that I wasn't comfortable doing. But then I was like, well, I'm just going to do it. Like, I'm just like, let's just go. So I'll just study for however long. And then I really was able to apply that to almost every single aspect of training, whether it was physical or mental. That's cool. So you carried over your, your physical training to your mental training almost. Um, what was your job on the helicopter specifically? What, like, what were you doing? So it was almost like the CrossFit of, helicopter community so we were like they said you're a jack of all trades like a a master of none or whatever so we like for our platform we ran the sonar which was like went down in the water or whatever and searched for submarines we ran like the radar we were like an aerial door gunner we were uh the rescue swimmer that would jump out we were also like a first responder type like basic first aid like how do i keep them alive until we get to the helicopter so we had to or the platform or whatever so we had to deal with any kind of like traumatic injuries. We were trained on that. And then um, pretty much anything short of actually flying the helicopter. Like we had to know different kinds of missiles and just all these aspects of like different, I don't know, just like everything pretty much. Anything that you could do in a helicopter as an air crewman, we just learned, we just learned how to do it. Like cargo operations, landing on the deck, which is another scary story but uh (laughs) (laughs) all right i gotta talk about (laughs) landing on this helicopter you you can't pass by that one so you're you're on a destroyer like a a ship it has one helicopter pad which is the helicopter pad is about big enough for the rotor arc so 
you have this rotor arc and then the wheels are obviously like a lot smaller in there, but you have, imagine the end of a barbell, the collar of a barbell sticking out of the bottom of the helicopter. And then on that deck, there is something about the size of this table. Uh, how big is this table? Like, I don't know, three feet by four feet. Sure. So a little trap like that, that has like little claw arms that come by and you are instructing the pilot out of a little hole that is slightly behind you with your helmet on. So you can see like about this much of the pole and then about three inches of this like probe and the boat, since it's in the middle of the ocean is swaying back and forth and it's nighttime. So you have NVGs on, which if you've ever used NVGs at like close range, it doesn't, it's, it's not that great, especially with other lights and everything. Cause the ship has lights, but we're trying to stay dark. It's a shit show. So you're like, (laughs) so you're looking down at this little hole. So then like the ship is just going back and forth up and down. So you'll like, you see this probe and it's literally like the worst case scenario of like hide the weenie. You're just like, (laughs) (laughs) that's like the best way that I could describe it. So you're just like looking down and like, you're trying not to be seasick because you're moving left and right. And then the ship is moving underneath you and you're just like left Right, no, come forward, come forward, down, no, up, 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 down. And you're not also not trying to die at the same time because, like, you could hit the deck wrong and then the helicopter rolls over and then you're underwater, strapped into a sinking metal box. You know what I mean? <laughs> so there's just, in to top it all off, there are pilots that one of the pilots has never landed on a ship before because there's always, like, the, the officer and then, like, the junior officer. Right. That is always training. They always do that. Just so like, and most of the time they're like, you give it a try, the junior officer. Cause I mean, eventually at one point they have to right, get right, good right. at it again, but you're just like landing. And then it's like that awkward moment when everything shuts down and you walk in the hangar and all like the maintenance people and everybody on your deck is just looks, gives you that look like it's great that you're still alive. Like, <laughs> and it's not always like that. A lot of times you just come in and the seas are calm and you just land, but there are times where it's just like, holy shit, like, uh, I'm glad I wasn't in that helicopter. And right. and from my perspective, I was calm. And they, again, look at me like, how were you calm in that situation? Like, you were, like, hitting off of the deck and slamming around, <laughs> and you could hear the, like, blades, like, like, bending and shit and all this craziness. And I was like, I don't know, man. Like, that's just what I was trying to do. Like, you just stay calm. There was no help for me to, like, start panicking or yelling right, right. or getting mad, like, or scared. I was just like just kept saying what I needed to say. Right. And that was it. So you're deployed twice? Yeah, I was deployed, uh, two deployments, uh, pretty much the same area around the Horn of Africa and like the Straits of Hormuz and everything like that, like the Gulf of Oman. Um, deployed to a boat? Yes, I was on a ship the whole time. So like the areas that I say was just kind of the water outside right, of it. Right, right. And we were doing like counter piracy, counter drug ops. That's pretty awesome. That's like a... It's one of those ones that sound way cooler than it actually is. (laughs) So, like, it was cool searching for bad guys, but, I mean, there's just a lot of, like, little boats out there that are just, like, people trying to make a living. Right. And they all, you know what I mean? They're all just civilian, well, most of them, and we just have to, like, check out their boats, and if they look suspicious, which is... And, you know, if you've never been around there, everything looks suspicious. Everybody's like, why does he have all those nets on his boat? Like, (laughs) why is he walking around? Why is he on the front? So, like, we're just, you know, you're just being super skeptical because, like, you want to catch somebody. You know what I mean? You're like, I'm out here. I trained for so long. Like, let's go get somebody. And most of the time, it's just 
you know, it's nothing. And then the rare situations you get to actually go do some shit and, and then that's cool. But, uh, so yeah, we was just like using the radar and everything, finding these guys, checking them out and then protecting other ships and everything. So like as a platform, we would launch off of the ship, go ahead, go behind, make a big circle and everything, check everybody out, identify everybody, land, the next person would get in. They'd do the same thing, rinse and repeat for, you know, five months, day and day and day and day. So, so um, how, how long is a deployment usually last? I think they're getting longer now, but um, it's either like four to six months and then you always get extended a month. Right. Just because they're like, we promise we're not going to extend. It's only going to be five months and then four months into d- deployment, they're like, oh, we have to extend another 35 days and you're just like, it just like crushes your soul because like you're literally like day 27 <laughs> every single day and then they're like add 35 days and you're like only 39 more days now instead of three you know stuff like that so uh so that whole time you're you're living on the boat like your day-to-day is is existence is that boat do you get to like like so when you're in the horn of africa and things like that do you get to see Africa at all or was it just um with some of our equipment we could like see the coastline and everything but we didn't go in in inland or anything like that like shit has to be going down if you're going inland or whatever and I I wouldn't be able to talk about it if if we actually got to do that but uh so we didn't do that but when we would pull into port it would usually just be like safer areas like we wouldn't just like land some random place and just like get out and walk around it was like usually another naval port that we were we are good with, but living on the boat, it was you and 500 of your best friends, um, with no privacy. I mean, the most privacy you had was a curtain that went, a curtain that went over the front of where you would sleep, but it was also like see-through curtain kind of. So, um, you didn't really, you slept in like a sleeping bag and in like a little foam mattress or whatever, like just, I mean, luckily I'm only 5'10". And relatively small, like 170 or whatever. So I fit in there. But I mean, there's people that are like 6'2", 225, that just like have to sleep with like one foot out. And you like, some nights you like strap yourself in and everything because the boat's rocking so much that you could like fall out. People fall out sometimes. But if you're on like the top rack or whatever. So there's that. Um, You have to deal with the water situation where sometimes they'll just shut the water off and they'll be like, you can't use the bathroom or shower. I don't know when you'll be able to again. And you're like, but I have to go poop. (laughs) And then, and people don't care. Like they'll be like, so they'll just like shit in the toilet and then they'll be like shit on top of shit. And then once they finally allow the water to come back on, imagine trying to flush all that. stuff. So then it gets clogged and then you can't do it longer. And then you're like, I just want to take a shower or brush my teeth with like, with water so then they start like selling bottled water to you you they don't even give you the bottle water you're like you can go to the convenience store and buy a dollar bottle of water and you're like oh thanks how about you just turn the water back on right so but there's reasons why they do it they don't do it to the messing with us aspect isn't there anymore but they uh they just have to do it for for like maintenance reasons and stuff like that or somebody will flush like try to flush a whole roll of toilet paper down the drain just being funny it's like that's not that's not funny because <laughs> there's still like there's still douchebags on deployment you know what i mean right. like there's still people that just like to mess with shit and people get bored and stuff like that so other than that you just get really comfortable just sitting there staring at the same wall every day like you just you're just sitting in a room luckily we had playstation 
So I did a lot of a lot of that stuff, a lot of Call of Duty, but again, it's not online, so you just kind of just again start doing the same thing over and over and again and you it gets to the point where someone will tell you a story and then like three or four days later, you'll have one of those like, oh, one time my friend back home told me this story and you'll tell him the same story that he told you. And he's like, dude, I told you that story. Like, that's like, that's my story. And you're right. like, wait, was that yesterday? He's like, no, that was this morning. And you're like, oh my God. Okay. I need to get out of here. And you just go and walk and just stare outside for a while. Right. You just go a little crazy. No, no given the fact that you were on these deployments <clears throat> and you stay, had to stay in, I, I assume had to stay in reasonable shape. Um, for any incident that could come up, uh, I mean, how do you stay in shape on those boats? Is is there a gym? Is there? Yeah, so there's like a pretty small closet gym um, that it had like a Smith machine, so like the barbell on tracks had some dumbbells and uh, just some like like random benches or whatever. But I mean, it's pretty hard. But you just really get yourself jacked up on pre workout and you just go and lift stuff. And at that point, I wasn't into CrossFit, so I luckily I didn't know um, what I was doing wasn't necessarily the best. I thought like you know it's all about getting huge and lifting a bunch of weights. So that so helped where was me, your bench at? That helped me mentally. <laughs> How much bench, bro? Oh, bro, uh, <laughs> seated shoulder press with the 80s for 10 oh, all day. No, <laughs> but uh, so you just you, <laughs> you just do that kind of stuff, and it just it just gets it gets pretty monotonous, but. I mean, you just got to do it. That's the only thing that really kept me sane is that I got to go and work out. And luckily, my job allowed that because I needed to be rested and recovered. And since I was fully qualified and everything, um, I didn't really have much obligation. So like once I was done with the little things that I had to do, they kind of just left me alone. And I was kind of like that whole like out of sight, out of mind. Like obviously, don't just be hanging out around people that are working, sitting down in a lounge chair playing PlayStation. Like just disappear so i would just disappear to the gym or or just like go into the library and read a book or something like that so that's where that was with trying to stay in shape right um so that's a good segue into when when did you start doing crossfit and and what was kind of your introduction to that so doing crossfit after my second deployment i was about to get out of the navy while i was in the navy i was stronger not necessarily faster at like the long distance running then most of the people that I worked out with, I could definitely, I was pretty strong in the gym with the like bodybuilder movements, like weighted dips and bench press and everything like that. And no legs, like we never squatted or deadlift or anything like that because that stuff, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> it's for the birds. So <laughs> no, but uh, so then they started this like, oh, let's do CrossFit stuff. And it's all at that time, it was kind of like, you know, go real hard and just make yourself want to puke or do whatever like that. So I was just like, nah, I don't really want to do that anymore. I just want to be really strong. I like being really strong. I don't want to be light and quick anymore. That whole, like, I'm done with that, like, try as hard as you can forever stuff. And then they started to get faster than, even faster than me. And I was like, okay, whatever, but I'm still stronger than you. And then they started getting stronger and faster than me. And I'm like, wait a second, how are you benching more than me? doing all this stuff so then i started getting into it or whatever and i i started googling it and watching all these youtube videos and i just like went head first into it started trying like little workouts at bodybuilder type gyms um and obviously that gets it gets really awkward so then I, <laughs> <laughs> i've experienced that before like trying to do like toe to bar deadlift <laughs> not being able to drop the weights in the middle of the cable machine you get a lot of <laughs> a lot of weird looks so 
I was just like, oh man, I gotta find, I gotta find a gym. So I searched around, found a gym, went there, did the introduction, just and just loved it. Like the whole aspect of like, this is how you actually do it correctly, and this is why you do it. It wasn't the thing that like, oh man, I feel completely wrecked right now is what hooked me on it. It was the mentality behind it. And like they, it actually seemed like that it wasn't just bro science anymore. It was like, dude, you got to do this new pre-workout. Like it makes your bench so much bigger. It's like, no, no, no. Like how about let's work on positioning and st- actual strength training than to just like take a chemical that is supposed to make you stronger. Right. <laughs> uh, so did you start... You started CrossFit in... In San, San Diego, Diego for... I was doing CrossFit in San Diego at Outlier CrossFit for two months. Um, so it was like... relative, And I was like so much into it that it was almost like someone had been doing it for six months. Like I would go home. I went to Home Depot and bought like a PVC pipe or whatever. And I was just watching YouTube videos, practicing. Like it was just... It was very obsessive. So then I came here looking for a gym. I found... Uh, ever proven CrossFit, which was really hard to find in the beginning. Cause like there, when you Google search, it was like the middle of downtown Dover. Right. And I'm just like standing in the middle of the road, like, uh, there are no doors. Like I got to find this secret society. <laughs> <laughs> so then I finally, I'm like walking through the mill building. And the, at that time there was like construction and everything. So I'm like moving like those like tarps over and stepping over all these like tools and stuff. I'm like, where am I right now? Like, this is ridiculous. I finally go downstairs. I find Matt, the owners there. And he's like, what's going on? And I'm like, is this ever proven CrossFit? <laughs> he's like, yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, awesome. Like, I just had some questions. And I, at there, I just started coming. And it was like exactly, exactly what I wanted. Like, all the programming and everything was awesome. And the coaching, coaching was there. And I always wanted to become a coach and everything. I never really voiced it to Matt. And one day, and I, at the time, I was working at Macy's which was awesome because I got out of the Navy and applied to all these different places and told, they told me I wasn't like qualified to work at Dick sporting goods. They said, you don't meet the requirements. And I was like, Oh, so I can't be a cashier, but I can, you know, use a 50 caliber machine gun (laughs) (laughs) and search for search for submarines. But yeah, that's fine. I can't check people out. (laughs) That's fine. So Macy's was the only people that hired me and man, that retail, obviously best job ever. So (laughs) Matt just one day was like, Hey, uh, would you be interested in coaching? And in my mind, I was like, Oh my God. And what actually came out was like, yeah, that'd be pretty cool. (laughs) So like, I'm like, yeah, whatever I'll start tomorrow or like right now or whenever you want me to do it. Cause I'm ready to go right now. So I was, so like a week later I quit Macy's and I like went down and got my level one and again, started coaching and just all into it, looking at YouTube videos, learning how to be, try to become the best coach that I possibly could. And you know, best athlete that I could at the time I was trying to do both. So, uh, what this is an interesting, um, thing to talk about is what, uh, where did you decide that you wanted to be a coach and kind of what inspired that in you? Where did I? Yeah. Like why? Like, I feel like you just don't like, you start doing it. Like what prompted you to want to be a coach? I just, it was just one of those things. I mean, you might've felt this too, just being like the instructor that you are, but like you experience something that's so amazing and it feels so good. And you're like, I have to share this with people. And I was like bugging my sister and my brother-in-law and everything. I'm like, look, 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 you got to do this. Like check out this movement or like, look at, look at this weight at the time. I didn't really know about weightlifting. I was like, look how much like weight that you can move, actually move. Like this is ridiculous. And it's all technique based and, and all this stuff and positioning. And I was like, 
I was just so excited about it. And I like kind of realized that the more I tried to press it on people, the farther they backed off. So now I don't really talk about it with my friends that are outside of CrossFit. I just say like, I think it's really awesome and you should try it. But like, I don't get into that. And they show me all these like CrossFit fail videos that are actually like powerlifting and Globo gym stuff. So I'm like, that's not even CrossFit, but it is a pretty funny video. (laughs) that kind of like brings up the subject of, um, I mean, what wh- like people uh, generally like group CrossFitters amongst uh, vegans and atheists, <laughs> as far as like with the, the the Fight Club saying like number one rule in CrossFit is to never shut up about CrossFit. It's like what I mean, what is it that about CrossFit that makes people talk about it obsessively at first? I feel like if I become a vegan and an atheist, I have things to talk about for the rest of my life because all <laughs> I talk about now is CrossFit and Jiu-Jitsu. Like, <laughs> like, literally that's, it like, makes social situations awkward because like that's all I really want to talk about and my friends will start talking about like some kind of baseball player or something and I'm just like so CrossFit let's talk about CrossFit <laughs> you know what I mean but I don't actually say it I'm just like only thinking it and then now anytime I see any kind of sports professional or anyone like I'm walking around UNH campus and since I'm like always looking at movement and trying to correct movement I just see the most terrible walkers you've ever seen in your life it's like how have you made it this far walking the way that you do and it's just like you can't turn it off like somebody will bend down to pick up a pencil and I'm like you're good just whatever hinge at the waist yeah just just whatever you got bro you got it lift that book back right that's funny that's uh so as, as a coach now um what what is your uh what is your objective as a coach now would you say are you uh or like what what keeps me coaching yeah. is that look that you get when you like blow somebody's mind fixing a position or like oh i can't get this and then you tell them like here try it this way or like pull down with this or push your knees out or some some random thing that just like another coach had tried to work but it's just sometimes it's just a different way to word it and then like it's like a puzzle finding that aspect of like they're just not getting it and you just give them all these different angles of like you know try it this way or this way and you really have to like it challenges me to think outside the box and how i feel is not necessarily how they feel and then just that moment they look at you and you just like change their life right there just a little bit and it's like and then they it's like and you're just like go forth take that into the world (laughs) and come back tomorrow so i can maybe help you with something next right that's like i feel the same way about jujitsu like starting with someone new and it's something that like you know like the back of your hand and you show it to them and they're like like yeah. the whole world opens up to him. And I feel like that's the one th- thing cool thing about ever proven too is um, I get so jazzed and inspired when I'm like walking by and someone's like teaching an on-ramp or an intro or something like that. And it's someone who is like, you can tell they're a little like, oh, I don't know, like I'm moving this bar. And, that. So, and they're looking around like, oh, people are judging me because I'm not good at it. It's like, they're really not. They're right, just right. looking at you because they're like, I know exactly how you feel. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> but then they're like, to see that progression, you're like, oh, like I saw you doing your intro. And then like, they're not like they could take their first class and they're still like not really talking to anybody and like kind of over off by themselves and they're kind of struggling through the workout. And then like two or three weeks later, they're like into the fold. Everyone's talking to you. You're busting your ass. Everyone's cheering you on and stuff. Yeah. I think that's that's super inspiring. I, that's one of the aspects I really love about our gym. It's, it's amazing. And we both did our intros. So Derek 
yeah, did my I, intro. To- <laughs> I, I did. I did my intro for CrossFit with Elliot. How funny is that? That's awesome. I get so mad at him because he didn't tell me how bad it was gonna suck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, dude, I'm doing toes and bars and burpees. Like, fuck you, Elliot. You didn't I wanted any of this shit before we did the intro to uh, BJJ. I was actually gonna say to you, like, remember when there were thrusters? I only put tens on the bar and I gave you the lightest kettlebell that you had. I want you to remember that before you choke me out a thousand times. <laughs> oh, I also thought it was funny. I like. I mean, I wasn't in terrible shape coming into crossfit just because of jujitsu like i kind of i was body aware and moved around whatever and like elliot's like showing me these workouts and stuff like that and then he's like all right we're gonna do your workout and i figured what it was it was like five exercises you know it gives me the lightest kettlebell and like the lightest fucking barbell to do thrusters <laughs> with so i'm like he's like yeah you're just gonna do as many rounds as possible these five exercises for 10 minutes i get like 42 rounds of this <laughs> and i'm like and the whole time he's like go faster go <laughs> i'm doing like 10 thrusters 10 kettlebell swings like i'm like is this what crossfit is my lungs feel like they're gonna explode right now <laughs> and then the hardest part is like so you do that intro and it's like so now just because you may like i hate the intro if I were to do it, you know what I mean? But like, I love CrossFit. So it's like, I try to tell people like, so you may have loved this, but there's going to be a lot of stuff that you don't like and a lot of stuff that you do like. So it's like, this is technically CrossFit, but don't base your complete experience on this intro because like you could tell there's people that come in that are like i just want to lift heavy shit and i don't want to do these stupid burpee kettlebell swings like that shit's dumb like let's throw big weight right. and then you have the people that are like i don't want to touch the barbell like that's really heavy and it's like no you gotta like right just come with me like right, just right, right, right. just try. try them both eventually you will like the barbell like it gets comfortable it's right. not this like hunk of metal that's pushing down on your collarbone and choking you and everything it's actually it gets really fun yeah the, the intro thing is, i mean i feel like that about the like when we did jujitsu i've been doing jujitsu for so long it's almost like i'm like i don't know where to insert you into jujitsu you know what i mean so that's like yeah. when we start i'm like all right what's your goal in this you know like and, and i can kind of point you in the right direction but just like even so the intro for crossfit is an intro for jujitsu is almost the same because that's such a wide you're only scratching the surface. Yeah. You can't get real in-depth. You know, and that's one thing I try to tell everybody is like, you know, we did some stuff today. If you're all slightly interested, you know, keep coming back. Eventually, you're going to find something that fits your body type, fits the way you move, fits what you're looking for. You know, everyone has kind of a, a different game and a different a- approach to jiu-jitsu, and I feel the same way about CrossFit. You can find something within that realm of CrossFit that you really like, and there's value to doing that stuff that you don't like, but the stuff that you do really like was the stuff that's going to keep bringing you back, you know? Yeah. And I think the ultimate goal I know for me is to like get back into that flow state, that feeling that I get after a workout or like right when one's finished or in the middle, when you're just like going at it, you kind of like shut off and you're just going. And then you, you drop the barbell for the last rep or whatever. And you just stand there and it's not one of the workouts that completely crushes you, but it's not one that's super easy. And you're just filled with all these like emotions. It just feels really good. And I noticed just doing the little short bit of jujitsu that like that, that is one of those things that it really looks like you can get into some serious flow states with like, rolling with another guy or whatever that you can just like really reach some levels of some flow. I think sure. the, the, the difference between for me for, um, for CrossFit and jujitsu, as far as entering that flow state, like I do definitely enter that flow state in CrossFit. Um, and I, I, well, 
I feel like in CrossFit, it takes a little longer to enter that flow state because it's almost like you have to get to that point where you're like, you're good at stuff. Well, you're good at stuff, but you're also um, working so hard that you have to forget about how bad it sucks. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, like for me, like I can, it sounds so fucked up and you're going to be like, no way, no one, but I can get into a, like a super flow state doing burpees mm-hmm. but just because it's like, all right, I got to stop counting my reps and I have to stop thinking about how bad this sucks and just bang out these burpees. So it's almost like you can close your eyes and just start burpeeing all day. I think that's what disrupts the flow state in CrossFit the most is when you have to count your own reps. That's the only thing that's like keeping me there sometimes where when it's an AMRAP where it's like three exercises and it's five of everything and you're just like someone else is counting your rounds or whatever, that's when you you really get. But counting and trying to be accountable at the same time, that's where it gets pretty difficult. So, but I think that the thing with jujitsu is I get into that flow state quicker because the situation is changing so rapidly that you can't think about anything else. So it's like, you're just reacting for, you know, 10 minutes. I would say that's one of the main differences between CrossFit and jujitsu for me is definitely that, that flow state. Not to mention it's one of those things where, um, you, it doesn't have to, you don't have to go so hard in jujitsu. It can be completely, it can be very flowy in the movements. You know what I mean? It's not just, and, and some CrossFit movements are, are, are flowy, but you're exerting some, some some amount of power while you're doing them. Yeah. Where in jujitsu, you know, I can let someone pass my guard and 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 get to a good advantage and then just use my technique and movements without using any power to get out of those situations. You know what I mean? Or work on, you know, disrupting that person's balance with just leverage and technique and not, you know, exerting a lot of power you know so that i know exactly what you mean <laughs> trying to i'm like flying through the air rolling around trying to figure out going like 90 to 100 percent, and you're just smiling and just manipulating me yeah so but i can honestly say that like when i'm finished with a crop i could so my typical schedule is i go to crossfit at five o'clock on monday then go to teach jiu-jitsu on after that at like seven so i have a little bit of time and then on tuesday i go do more crossfit at five o'clock and then go teach jujitsu at seven and then i usually take wednesday off thursday i'm just doing crossfit then i do jujitsu in the morning and then crossfit at night those times on monday and tuesday in between my crossfit session and my jujitsu session on the way to CrossFit is like the happiest moment of my life (laughs) because i just worked out too hard to be mad at anything and i'm going to do something that is super fun too, you know what I mean? So I'm driving in my truck and I'm like, ah, all, is, all is right with the world, you know? So I, they complement each other really well in that aspect too. You get some some physical exertion where you're you're really putting your muscles to use, and then the 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 very very technical flow aspect of jujitsu go to well together. From the people maybe that are in that CrossFit perspective that want to try jujitsu, when I did my intro do you see any type of like i personally felt a carryover but how do you feel now experiencing since me not having any experience at all in i never wrestled i mean the most i've had was like wrestling my sister when i was younger and then in the barracks like either being drunk or just having too much testosterone just trying to choke each other out like (laughs) with other people that have never done anything where like the the one single-handed choke actually works (laughs) right so um, just experiencing that, like, how do you feel like that kind of stuff carried over? Um, well, that's a good question for you too. That, I mean, you can answer this after I answer, you can agree or disagree because, um, probably disagree. No, I'm just yeah, <laughs> it might be, um, 
I feel like A is, I mean, I, I wasn't blowing smoke up your ass when you did this. You, you did really well, you know, and, and, but I think a lot of that has to do with your, your body aware. Um, you know, you knew how to, um, move your body in such a way where you got more range of motion out of it, like getting on a hip. Like one of the things that blows a lot of people's mind is if you get on, and it's one of those things where like, yeah, now that you're saying it, that really makes a lot of sense. And you, I probably knew that anyway, but under stress, if you get on a hip, the hip that's not on the ground, you're going to have more range of motion in that leg. So if you need to free that leg, getting on the opposite hip will allow you to pull that leg in directions that you couldn't if you were laying flat on your back. You know what I mean? Does that make sense when I'm saying that? Yes. Makes sense to me. Maybe non-body aware people might be like, uh, hips. <laughs> right, right. So you did that really well naturally. You know what I mean? You 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 got on a hip to be able to cir- do leg circles instead of you know these weird like symmetric movements you know what i mean um so that was one thing um so being that body aware but then knowing the positions where you're strong and where you're not so as soon as i said you know elbows tight to your body is where you're going to be the strongest you started doing that right away and then i was like but now you can reverse engineer that so that you can put me in a position where my body's not strong so you automatically which is a big part of my game and it actually changed a lot when i started doing crossfit was the whole time I'm doing jujitsu, I'm trying to isolate your elbows away from your body. So your right. arms are not strong anymore. The other thing, too, is head position. You picked up on that really well once I told you and kind of cued you in on it is, you know, you could hold someone down just by holding their head in a certain position because where the head goes, the body follows. You know, you can turn someone's neck and it makes their back, their arms and their legs weak because yeah. now they don't have that 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 structural integrity in their spine you know it also messes with your nervous system a little bit so you're a little bit slower so i think just knowing proficient movements and how to make your body strong is a real advantage you can not only put yourself in a position where you're going to be stronger but you can also put someone else in a position where they're not going to be strong yeah did you did you are those what are the, some of the crossovers that you noticed Um, I felt like everything just made sense and being able to apply it, like you said, it was just like instantaneous. Like some things I forgot, like a couple different steps when it got to like actually getting into different positions, but like getting away and then keeping myself in a safe position felt really easy. And I mean, like, obviously you were like letting me out of certain situations where you could have finished it very easily, but like I could tell where. I was actually able to stop some of your stuff with with that. Like it wasn't completely easy for you. And like my question, I guess more would be if have you, I'm sure you've had people that don't have any experience and don't have CrossFit experience. Do you feel like the learning curve for them is even, even longer maybe? So the thing that I notice about, um, I, I, well, a couple things too is, um, balance balance is huge like a lot yeah. of people don't have very good balance you know they they um like you say like and the other well i guess there's a lot of aspects of this too that for people that have done crossfit or something like that is also um the the the, the mental focus to not give anything up easily you know what i mean that some people be like oh get on all fours you know what i mean or, or get on your knees or whatever and then someone pushes them slightly and they topple over yeah. and there's no resistance back. You know, they, they can't adjust or, or fire the certain muscles to stay upright where they just fall down. And I'm like, no, yeah. no, keep your base. And they're like, what's base? I'm yeah. like, all right, <laughs> we're starting a square one, yeah. which uh, some of those people are my favorite people. Again, it's like those people who take those on ramps or intros where they're moving all awkward and whatever. And then six months later, they're 
yeah, as long as they people. listen to you, right. it, they get progress really fast. Right. It's really awesome. Well. They like they, they have no bad habits to break or anything like that. But I feel like, um, you know, just being body aware and knowing kind of how to fire their muscles and timing is really important. Um, the other thing that I notice about um, about uh, you in particular, about anybody that kind of has that that background, is being able to go from pulling to pushing really fast. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like at some point you need to push away, and then another point you need to pull, and and it might it could be all in the same movement of escaping. You know what I mean. But at some point in that escape, you're gonna have to push, and then in some other part of that escape, you're gonna have to pull. And knowing being able to pull and push really fast, where some people are like they give this big hard push, and then they're like, oh, I can't pull anymore. You know. Yeah. So I think that that's a big aspect of it too. And I think doing your intro and intros with, we had a MMA fighter at, uh, at the gym too. It seems like you guys picked up on everything almost instantaneously. Again, body awareness, positioning. I think the barbell is, gives some trouble, but, um, that's just something that, I mean, you're used to just moving your body and maybe something, something else, but there's something about the barbell that like that front rack position, like squatting, almost everything comes really quickly. It's just like front rack position, front squatting, having that just because it doesn't mimic anything that you really do in that. So, uh, but like overall CrossFit fitness stuff, it's just like, it's huge compared to someone that doesn't do anything or just does running or something like that. They seem to have the most trouble out of anybody. I mean, first is like sedentary individuals and then like, and then running, but like fighters and everything and wrestlers are, are right up there with like, wow, you picked that up really quick. And you guys have like crazy engines in the mental game is there. Cause you're like, no one's even trying to hurt me right now. <laughs> right. Like this is easy. Like, uh, <laughs> Oh, I'm being a little bit choked by the barbell, like being uncomfortable. You can tell in being put into positions, you can tell that you're like, okay, this makes sense. Like, I need this is where I need to be, even if it's a little uncomfortable. Whereas other people will be like, ah, that's uncomfortable. I don't think that's going to work for me. It's like, no, no, like just let it sink in for a little bit. Eventually, right. it will become a very comfortable position. Right. Well, I think that the other thing that I would say one of the, the, the it was one of the most surprising things to me about um, like my journey in CrossFit and things that I weren't aware of before was kind of the deficiencies my body has developed doing the same type of activity for so long like my thoracic spine is so tight just because of i I feel like the guard position from having my feet and my head in the air Mm -hmm. and like being on the small of my back a lot so then my my thoracic and my arms in tight so now my thoracic spine is for two hours a day for nine years is at you know full flexion oh yeah like the back of my neck like i had to keep like putting the back of my hand or the hand on my neck because like i was just getting tired and it's like supposedly I've been working out everything that I thought, like every single muscle group and I'm just laying there in, and he's in my guard and I'm just like, I'm getting tired right now. Just keeping my head up, like right. just being in this, right. in this position. So, and then other things like I can't wear certain shoes now because I've been barefoot so long that, that my feet and my toes have spread out. And because my foot is always flexed from like trying to hook someone's leg with my toes. So like I have really, like I've developed really wide feet over the past nine years it's crazy the stuff and then i go get a sports massage like the first time oh my god and and she's like so you're really really developed in the back on the right and really really developed 
on the left in the front. Like, <laughs> what What do you do all the time? And I'm like, it's a lot of twisting. I, I twist in the same direction, direction all the time. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, you probably should have this checked out by someone. That is one thing that's kind of good about CrossFit. Everything is very symmetrical. Right. Like, you're usually equal loaded on every side. But it's also kind of bad because then, like, if you give something that isn't equally loaded to someone on CrossFit, it's kind of like, well, it's not even, or it's not a perfect barbell and the circumferences and are like, but that's why we do like Atlas stone training right. and everything. Like that. So awesome. we incorporate that yeah. stuff. But generally when you go to your average box, you might not see right. Atlas stones and everything like that. But yeah, that's, that's like one of the, one of the bigger drawbacks with CrossFit is it's, it's very, it's linear. very like linear. It's right. very like frontal plane. Um, whereas like pretty much every, everything else in the life is, is, is multidirectional. Right. Um, which, I mean, which, I mean, goes into like the stuff that we've been talking about all along is like, okay, so CrossFit's great. We, we've agreed upon that. Like jujitsu, like awesome. I mean, it's, it's a great discipline and it's like, okay, where do we go from here? Like, what else can we get our hands into? Like, and that gets into like the, the physical culture, the physical movement and, um, that kind of brought us into this podcast as well. Right, <laughs> it's, right. It's just figuring out. It's like it's like it's like okay, what else? How else can you train your body uh, other than other than doing these things? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, I mean, and it's it's one of those reoccurring themes in jujitsu, and I think that's why I I what drew me to CrossFit too is like why would not you not want to take something which is like jujitsu that's very successful and then poke as many holes in it as you could and then try to fix those holes, you know? So I think that that's starting to happen with CrossFit too. Is like, you know, you have all these awesome things about CrossFit. Let's poke some holes in it and see how we can make it better. And I think, you know, that that advent of of maybe some grappling, you know, it's not for everybody and, and you could find some other ways to do to, to, to supplement the grappling with CrossFit. But I think that's why they, they almost complement each other really well because they... Um, they, they they fill each other's gaps a little bit, you know. You're, you're moving very linear and with power and fast and everything. And, very steady. Like the barbell isn't changing weight on you without you knowing or all the movements are the same, where as in jiu-jitsu, I might go for something that I've – it worked the first two times, but now I try it again, and you're like, well, I learned that now. It's very dynamic. Right, know? right. So they, they, they tend to fill each other's gaps very well, um, yeah. and I think that's why I – I like them both so much, you know, and they, and they seem to have have worked out in correlation with each other really well. And I, I see, I see the uh, the the what I really liked about the last CrossFit Games was the sandbags and the wheelbarrow. Yeah, that was some. Yeah, Cause, that's because people. I mean, and I mean, even the even the pegboard too. Yeah, I mean, it's it's stepping outside. I mean, like we're supposed to be an all inclusive uh, all inclusive uh, physical fitness like culture and i mean i remember even hearing somebody be like oh wheelbarrow sandbags that's not crossfit like because it's it's supposed to be everything right you're supposed to be prepared for everything and if you've never experienced a really really heavy wheelbarrow with lots of weight peaked up high there's a lot of balance in there right i mean i've like i myself like have done that like right. and and there's a lot of balance and there's a lot of like you gotta like be able to re- react within like very fraction of a second of like of that that load that's gonna yeah. topple over right that kind of that twitch muscle fiber needs to oh, yeah. be firing yeah i, I mean I, I i really uh applaud um applaud the programming on that like 
having that happen. Well, that's like some of my favorite like workouts that we do at the gym is when it's very vague. Like it's like shoulder overhead or ground overhead. Ground yeah. overhead is my favorite because he's not saying, you know, you need to do this specific exercise to do it. So you can do, you know, a couple clean and jerks or a couple clean and jerks and then do some snatches. snatches and yeah. then if you wanted to, you could clean it up and thruster it or, you know, whatever you want to do it, it, it keeps it very vague. That's why I like the Atlas stones too. You know, you can, you could switch up your technique if something yeah. is, is starting to, to feel like it's getting weak or, you know, or, or just play with it a little. I love, I love those vague kind of, here's your goal. You kind of have free range to, to get after it. Yeah. The very simplistic again, and you're easier to get into a flow state yeah. in that way of like move this sled over there as fast as you can don't think just go right. and then you're just like okay and then you just shut your brain off and you're like did i pass the line i'm done like that's and that's it right yeah that, that, that's i mean i bring him up again um one of my favorite uh favorite trainers uh julian Pinot. like he said in a podcast with uh with uh some guys and he's just he's like you know like i'm not trying to do uh, like I'm, I'm, like all I want to do, and all all he wants to do to break people do is to take this and move it there. Right. That's all I want to think about. I don't want to think about anything else. I just want to take this and move it over there and break it down to. Is that the same guy with the lactic threshold of just like trying to just push a sled as as far as you possibly could? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That was an that was a great podcast. He, that's I, I'm stuff. a huge fan of that guy. Well, then that that is, is a sadistic yeah. bastard. <laughs> Mentally, that's really hard mental. Tra- I mean, that's right. that's what it is. Like, just keep going to your limit. And it's like, it's easy to do it one time. But then if you're doing that every day, like, yeah, it's not beating you up. But mentally, you're just like, I just don't want to try as hard as I can anymore. <laughs> well, and yeah. that's, I think, the other thing. Well, it's it's a aspect of CrossFit that I think is lost on a lot of people. But it's a, it's a, also an aspect of in jiu-jitsu that you're really faced with like head on you need to, to to address it right away is the fact that you need to be held accountable for your workout you know what i mean you it's a self-correcting activity you know um they're rid of this laughing over here because don't tap the pressure <laughs> yeah, don't tap the pressure um oh, <laughs> elliot didn't tap the pressure I, I, I even when the front of my throat was touching the back of my throat <laughs> which is surprisingly uncomfortable <laughs> But you need like so in those activities where you are just going from A to B moving this way, you better be using good form and good technique to do that or you're going to fail quickly. So it's, it, it's one of those things where it forces you to be aware and accountable and correct yourself because no one's being like, all right, you're going to clean and jerk and this is the proper way to clean and jerk or whatever. You know, it's like you have free range now, but you better do it right. You know what I mean? So it kind of adds yeah. that whole, you know, you need to. You you need to do you need to figure out how to do it right yourself, which I think is valuable too. But sometimes at a coaching aspect, you sometimes can't give them options. Right. Like I've had classes where it said instructor like led uh, group stretch, and I was like looking at a class of like seven, and I was like, all right, guys, like let's just do what you guys want to do. Like, what do you guys want to do for mobility? And I just got like cricket cricket like uh yeah that's why you're here and i'm like well tell me what hurts tell me what and i was like you know what never mind like here's what you got to do and they're like okay and then they just like immediately like they were just like i want to be off right now just tell me what to do right Uh, and and that's almost sad to me a little bit you know what i mean like i i love the community and i've proven obviously love the community at port city bjj because i've i've kind of fostered it or whatever but um i hate that you know, not wanting to take 
that your 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 health into your own hands you know like so if someone's like hey what do you want to do for stretch today i'll look at the board and be like oh these are the activities ruined today oh we're going to do some front racks i need to know i need to stretch up my front rack you know so it's it's one of those things we it would behoove a lot of people to become a little more aware of what their deficiencies are and 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 how to correct them themselves. In a sense, own your fitness. All right. And that's own, why, own what's going on in your body. And that's why I coach the way I do. I really try to like throw, it sounds like I'm just joking around and saying a lot of nonsense, but I'm really trying to just shake people out of that. Like I'm just going through the motions right now. Right. So like I see people get into, and it's not, it's a different than a flow state. Like when I see somebody working out and they're not necessarily doing it perfect, but they're in that flow state, I'll leave that alone or just give them like a keep it up. But like, you'll just see people just kind of being like, I'll like do something. And then everyone else is like walking over to grab a foam roller. And it's like, I was just picking this up just cause I was moving it, but they're just like, so in that automatic mode. And it's like, all right guys, everybody grab a foam roller. Just kidding. You don't need it. Uh, happy birthday, Robbie. And it won't even be Robbie's birthday. And people will just be like, what did he just, and they kind of like come back to reality right, for right. a second. It's like, hi humans. Like, welcome right. back. Like, like you're right. that hiccup. I, I, well, that's funny too. because and it's funny you mentioned that because I really don't, I mean, I have to a little bit in, um, so the, the thing that I do to correct that when I'm teaching is if I'm teaching technique and people are going through the motions of like, fuck this, line up, let's roll. And you know, it's like, you better be in the moment right now or you're going to get the shit kicked out of you. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's, it's funny that you say that, like you have to key people in on how to kind of breaking that that yeah. that moment and getting and snapping them back to reality and they appreciate it and snapping them out of their comfort zone of like oh i always do ring rows it's like let's do jumping pull-ups today and they're like but i can't do jumping pull-ups and you just give them that look like you're you can do jumping pull-ups All right, like, right let's make it happen All right as a coach do you think that uh like using humor is one of the best things to do to get people out of their own heads um, n only if you're comfortable doing that. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend every coach to try to be funny. If you don't, if you, if, if you're not, not funny, you're not it funny. It gets super awkward and right. I'll do stuff to be super awkward on purpose. And then it becomes funny because it's so awkward. Like the one class I was like, all right, everybody it was like the first class of 2016 that I taught. And I was like, all right, like it started the year. I'd really appreciate an awkward silence all right, thank you. And everybody was like, what just happened? <laughs> and, and it was just, it was just a lot of fun to like, just break that stuff out. But like, if I could see someone else trying to do that and they'd be like, why did he just do that? But like, just getting to know me and my character, it's like, I think like during one of the level twos, they were like, don't try to be anybody that you're not like, just be a amplified version of yourself and be genuine. Don't lie to people. Like if they're not good at something, don't be like, that was so good. Just say like, you're getting better or like, no, that was worse. Like as a coach, you always want to like have people getting better and it kind of hurts your feelings. If like someone's still not getting it. Cause like, I get really like internal, like, man, I can't do this. And I'm like really trying to get it. But like, you have to be okay with the fact of like, if I tell somebody to do something and even though I'm giving in my head the right cue of like, this is what you need to do. And then they do it wrong. I need to own up to that and be like, okay, no, that was worse. That was my bad. Like, here, try this. And if they're not getting it, most it's like some of the time it, it is my fault. And some of the time it's just like, it's not, we're just not having communication. Maybe another coach needs to step in and give them a different cue, different language, different, you know, inflection Man, of their voice. Like I've definitely stuff like that. done that before. Yeah. Or it's just like that your, your cues just are not working. Like you have this bag of cues and you try to relate and you try to relate and try to relate and it's just not what happening and be like, hey, 
come over and uh, talk to this person real quick. And, and it works instantly because, I mean, it's just, it's just, a, it become it comes down to like uh, your personality with another, like bouncing off another person's personality. Yeah. And, and I mean, and, and when you really do get to like move somebody the way you want to move them, it becomes a beautiful thing. Yeah. And, and it's, it's so much fun. I, I get super excited. Um, and like, I, I usually am told to like calm down and stop jumping <laughs> up and down. <laughs> no, it's super exciting. Like, it's like inside you're just like, you're filled with so much joy. Like, ah, oh, like a, even, even if they don't really think it's a big deal, like inside you're just like, right, right. <laughs> um, how do you guys feel about, um, so one of the things that I always tell everybody when they, when like when someone new comes into the academy, I always say, you're going to learn just as much from the people in the class as you will from whoever's teaching the class because, and it's a little more free form than CrossFit is, you know, I might do a technique a certain way because of my body type or things like that, but someone else might do it a little differently. It doesn't mean it wrong, but it might work out for you. How do you feel about your athletes getting tips from other athletes? Well, I'll go ahead on this okay, one. No, uh, I have it, I have something. I was just thought you might have something. Too. Um, it it's it's good to a point. Right, it's good to a point because, um, just because that technique worked for you doesn't mean it's going to apply to everybody. And that's why, like, coach, I, I think that's kind of why a lot of coaches are coaches because they have all these like, uh, they they've worked with multiple people, not just like from their own personal experience. And and it it it's it's great. I love the enthusiasm, but that enthusiasm can then be disruptive and it also can be like counterproductive with, um, with, with a newer athlete. And yeah, I mean, I completely agree. And not only that, it's like sometimes something might have changed for them, but it's something completely different and it's not necessarily what we're trying to do. So you kind of got to like, I like when people are communicating and like, here, try this. I try that. Like, I love it. But Sometimes people will give cues. It's like, that's not what they need. Like, and it's little things. And that's that puzzle. Like, uh, just the other day I helped someone out with their front rack position of like their squat clean. Like they were just hinged forward. They didn't like it. And I was like, and I was, you have to look at very specific things one at a time. And most of the time you won't see little things like that. But I was like, you're like, he was releasing his hands, but he was keeping his fingers like really stiff. And I was like, just relax your hands. And like a lot of other people, most, the most common cue is like, no, get your elbows up, get your elbows up. And he's like, I'm trying to get my elbows up. I can't. But if your hand is that stiff, you just can't get into that position because the barbell just feels so much heavier. And I'm like, just release, like dead hand it. And then he tried it and he was like, I don't know, it feels a little uncomfortable. I'm like, when you try a new technique, it's going to be a little different. Try it a little bit. Like not every technique is like, oh my God, it's so much better. I PR'd by 30 pounds. And then he did it for a little while and it was like, boom. Like he's like, thank you for, for doing that. And then again, I got that feeling of like, yes, like I found a piece to add to the puzzle. So do you think, but do you, so the next step on that, I think is do you, um, would you go ahead and, and so one of the things that I'll do when I'm coaching jujitsu is like if i have someone brand new i will stick them with the most seasoned athlete in that class and i'll be like hey work with this guy because i know he knows what he's talking about to a point is that something you would do in crossfit too be like if it's like a small group of people you know i i know that like as far as like strength and ability is uh comes into play order but you'd be like would you give say you're doing like a barbell exercise that's kind of complicated you'd be like give the seasoned athlete their own barbell that brand new person their own barbell and then let them kind of work together and, and, and have him cue in on that stuff? No, I, I personally <laughs> would rather just put them with someone that's seasoned, but 
not necessarily like the same ability level. Cause I, from my perspective, if I was working out with someone that was just completely on a different level and you'll notice with some athletes that are just gifted, they have a hard time explaining. It's almost like the athletes that have a really hard time with the movement that finally get it are better at explaining it sometimes, not all the time. But, um, I just feel like when I've placed people like, Hey, like here, let's put you with Robbie. You're doing back squat. Like that's going to do two things. One, it's going to make them feel not good because they can tell that Robbie's not struggling with that weight at all. Right. He's not struggling then, with 450 and then, pounds. And then it's also <laughs> not letting Robbie have a workout. So right. like I'll just group newer people together right. and they kind of find it out. And then you'll just see the seasoned athletes like Robbie come over to them without me asking and be like, here, help while I'm like off doing something else. So like, yeah, I like them to interject, but I wouldn't want to like pair them up right? because like sometimes it really puts people off when it's like, they're so good at this and I'm so bad and I'm working with somebody that's like perfect at right, it. Right. So cool. that's just my opinion. That's what, that's what I like to do. Makes sense. Yeah. But it makes sense for jujitsu. Like I would much rather roll with someone like you that knows what's going on and can be like, no, that's a bad idea. than another like white belt that doesn't know and then we're just probably end up trying to hurt each other just because we want to win or whatever right, right, it's right, like right, no 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 like right. learn learn the position yeah, I, right. I can definitely see somebody getting hurt more often like with two novices as opposed to somebody that's experienced working with a novice and yeah, they're right. like oh i wouldn't we call it spazzy white drill, white belt syndrome <laughs> 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 like you just a lot of, well it's a, one of those things where like elliot even though he's been in high stress situations whatever we rolled or whatever and he was tense a lot of the time you know what i mean so if you have these two tense forces going back and forth at each other it's like taking two rubber bands and put tying them together and stretching them as far as you can go yeah. one of them eventually is going to snap you know yeah. so it's definitely i think it behooves the 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 new person to roll with someone more advanced for sure in the jiu-jitsu aspect of it but the whole crossfit thing makes a lot of sense what do you think when you get scott when you get a new person that's like holy shit i don't I've never even heard of a front squat before and you have like a class of 20. Do you like to group them with people with like similar abilities or do you like to pair them with someone like, like um, I generally like just, uh, I'll, I'll gauge the class on who's in the class, their skill levels. Um, cause generally speaking, like everyone will kind of break up into their own, uh, their own skill levels. Girls will go with girls. Guys will go, go with guys. And then right. like the heavy, <clears throat> the heavy hitters will, will pair off and go, go somewhere else. And it's, it's funny. There's a, a lot of times this thing happens where like the, the, the newer crossfitters will stay in one room. Like the way the shape of our gym is, we're just a really, really long gym for people that have never been to uh, ever from CrossFit. So it's a really long room. So we actually have two rooms, um, with a, with a, with, so the heavy hitters will go into one room and like the kind of the, the people that are fairly new and more social will stay in another room. Um, but for the most part, like I know people like in their, in their ability levels, I'll always pay attention to like who's in that class or ability levels and they'll start to go off. So I'll, I'll trust them a little bit more. Whereas I'll, that brand new person, I'll make sure that they're, I'm close by them at all times right. until I feel a little bit more comfortable with right. them. And I'll, I'll, I'll give them like cues with PVC pipes, make sure that, like first and foremost, I'll make sure that they are going to move without hurting themselves. Right. That's like that's like my first step. Always make sure that they're going to move without hurting themselves, and then they can get into. Then I'll start trusting them a little bit more and make sure that 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 movement that standard sticks with them. Then they can start 
uh, progressing and getting more and more on their own. But like the first thing is always like get them to move correctly without hurting themselves. Then you start throwing like little technique cues here and there. Right. It, it, it's it's kind of like initial, and then you just keep on throwing little little tiny bits and pieces. Come keep coming around. Let right. them let them try to figure out a little bit, and then right. yeah, throw some, throw more, more stuff at them. Yeah. I don't know if it's like the coach of me or what, but I mean, kind of what prompted that question is one time I was working out and someone brand new was in the class and one of the coaches was like, yeah, work with Derek. He'll won't steer you wrong, whatever. And I was like, yeah, sweet. I get to like help out this guy, whatever. Consequently, he went and worked out with the hottest girl in the class after that. And you know, I didn't really get to help him out, but I was, I was, I was super jazzed on like being able to help this guy kind of move his progression along and things like that. And I was like, oh, that's kind of an interesting, you know, plan of attack for the coach, you know? And getting and then it's also something that i do quite often so it's just it's kind of spitballing the idea so um it well i guess my uh, some closing thoughts are what's yeah. what's next for t dot elliot field uh tyrannosaurus tactical elliot uh, <laughs> is planning on well we're going also down known as t money uh, t money two scoops and e wheezy so i'll have different <laughs> stories two scoops is is my uh is my rap name coming out so and the riddler just hit us with some fresh beats so we're gonna be it's gonna be popping just follow me on instagram and at t elliot field and you're just you're gonna be amazed at how long it takes no. Uh, so then we're going to we're go, we're going down to Florida uh, for Wadapalooza. That should be an awesome time. Staying a couple of days there, and then oh yeah, you're on a team. Yeah, we're going on a team down in Wadapalooza, and then um, then after that, just big picture stuff. Just going to continue doing some CrossFit. Graduating from UNH with uh, nutrition wellness in about a year. Then I plan on opening my own gym, and in the meantime, definitely pursuing this uh, jujitsu thing. That definitely, it's a lot of fun, and it it just crosses right over. Cool. If you do either one, I definitely recommend do, trying both out. Like, give right. it a try. Like, it's it complements very well. It's a recipe for disaster. <laughs> <laughs> disaster in the in the best way, though. Well, a disaster, and you'll have, you'll, you'll have no free time. Oh yeah, well, I don't, <laughs> it's either that or PlayStation. So I mean, I'll give up my PlayStation and just learn how to wrestle, wrestle. Cool. cool man, cool. Uh, well, the best of luck and everything that you got going on, and uh, thank you. We'll, uh you'll definitely be a reoccurring guest on on the Sharp Iron Society. Hell yeah. So anything else to mention? Anything else going on you need to talk about? Uh, well, the last thing I have on my notes here, which is also the only note that I wrote down, is uh, <laughs> fuck bitches, get money. <laughs> We're out. Well, <laughs> that's it. Thank you for listening to Sharp Iron Society. Uh, tune in next time. Fuck bitches, get money. Yeah.